Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Bat Around. I'm your host, Paul Valley. He's the, my co-host and producer, Zach Goodman. It is a... I don't know what it is today. It is a Saturday, April 1st. Happy April Fool's Day. I've got the biggest fool across the, the table from me because you said that Bruce Springsteen was a religious experience when that you went to see him on Monday. Also Mon- true. You, what, you went to go see him on Monday? I did go see him on Monday. Right. It was a religious experience. You know what? I will say this. I am very happy that you got to go see <laughs> one of your favorite performers live. It won't be the last time. Is that Was it your first time? It was my first time. Yeah. That's, see, that's, And it won't uh, be the last time. I may not... And look, I, I probably over overblow it a little bit. A, a I, little I, bit. I, I um, I don't, I don't hate. Bruce no, see, Springsteen. we've made it a good joke now, though, so it's yeah. it's fine. I, I don't, I don't hate Bruce Springsteen. I don't think he's that great, and the cult following that he has is absurd to me. So when people talk about Bruce Springsteen like he's the greatest thing since sliced bread, he is. That's when I'm like, this is <laughs> ridiculous. I can think of a number of artists who are far better than Bruce Springsteen. But that doesn't mean that I hate the guy. I think his song. What's that? What's that song that I can't stand? You, I'm on fire. I'm on fire. Is not cre- a fan. It is one of the creepiest songs that has ever been written. <laughs> but it was a different time. It was a different I, time. I guess. I mean, you know, I'm not going to say what I was going to say. It was about Steven Tyler. What he did was not okay. But he got gets a pass for some reason. He married. A, he tried to marry a 14 year old. I remember the story. Yeah, yeah he tried mm-hmm. to like the, the, yeah. some, for some reason Steven Tyler gets a pass. So apparently people who were who were big in the 70s and 80s get passes for being creeps. But I digress. Today's <laughs> show is brought to you by uh, press box offers. Baseball season is here, and for the first time in history, you can bet from your phone in Maryland. Go to pressboxonline.com/offers for the best sports book offers and incentives, so you can start winning today. Get up to one thousand dollars in deposit bonuses. Ma- uh, deposit bonus match. This is word weird. Get up to $1,000 in a deposit bonus match plus a $50 free bet with DraftKings. Just go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers to claim your incentive. Uh, the Orioles played meaningful baseball on Thursday. Real regular season baseball on Thursday. A lot of good, a lot of bad. They came away with a victory 10-9 to up in Fenway Park. Game all that matters. Time, game time temperature was 38 degrees. Um, the good. The Orioles uh, knocked out 15 hits. They walked nine times. They had another hit by pitch. They had five stolen bases. They scored ten runs. Adley hit a home run on his first freaking swing of the season. On his first on his first swing of any opening day of his of his major league career. Um, Ryan Mountcastle uh, had a couple of hits. So did Anthony Santander. Adam Frazier, who we all said was a Stupid signing has two doubles, a walk, and a stolen base. Again, the I Orioles, like the signing. The, the Orioles steal five bases. The bad. Keegan Aiken comes in, and this is what he did the second half last year, right? Where his ERA stayed dazzling because he came in and allowed inherited runners to score, but none of his own runners scored, and so therefore his ERA stays yeah. at zero. Kyle Gibson got the win. ERA's inflated because he allowed two soft singles, one of which Anthony Santander should have called. He he should have called that. Well, there was, there was more than... Honestly, there were three balls that should have been caught in yeah, that game. Yeah, and including the triple by Verdugo to lead off the bottom of the first right. inning. You could tell us uh, that, that Mullins just couldn't see he, it. he lost the ball in the yeah. sun, and when he finally saw it, it was too late. But um, the outfield left a lot to be desired. Yeah. The infield, Jorge Mateo, 
for all the good, there comes some bad. The, that throw, the first one, what should have been the game-ending double play, was the game-ending double play was um, it was not good. Not good. That, that's a throw <laughs> where your momentum is carrying you through the bag. You have no runner in front of you because you got to the bag so quickly. All you have to do is throw the ball to the chest, and he throws it, what, 75 feet? He threw that baseball 75 feet mm-hmm. to first base. Mm-hmm. Mountcastle's got to pick it. He was a good first baseman last year. That's a ball that he probably comes up with, what, eight times out of ten, yeah. nine times out of yeah. ten. He didn't in this instance. Doesn't matter. Bautista strikes out the next batter to to get the win 10-9, to nine, but the Orioles were up 8-2 to two and 10-4 to four in this game, and the bullpen allowed five runs to score plus two inherited runners. So in my mind, they allowed seven runs to score. Not great. The no. the, the defense was shaky. The bullpen was shaky. Brian Baker being trusted in a in a late-inning high-leverage role. CNL Perez being the guy to come in before him mm-hmm. and not after him. He gives up, what, three runs? Uh, uh, Baker does. But Logan Gillespie I thought was great. The one batter that he faced, he looked good. Um, Bautista, rusty and shaky to start, but he finished really strong. Perez was really good. Aiken, not so much. Baker, not so much. What are your takeaways from this first game? Yeah, I mean, I we, we talked about it all offseason, but the, the bullpen regression was something that we think is going to happen this year because it's almost impossible to replicate what they did last year with the talent they had. There just mm-hmm. weren't that many great pitchers in that bullpen. You had the guys like Joey Crable overperforming. I think Brian Baker, to for all intents and purposes, overperformed as well. So to me, Brian Baker is one of those guys that's going to have an, a really up and down roller coaster season this year because he isn't an established pitcher yet. He's had one year that was okay. I think he, what was his ERA last year? Around five, right? In the f- high fours. No, I no, his, was, I think was his, his, I think his ERA was sub four last okay. year. He was really good. He was their best reliever in in, in he, September. He was down down the stretch. He was very good, but there were some up and down uh, months for him earlier in the year. And he was a guy that you know you really didn't know whether you're going to trust or not. And this year he's been thrust into a role as it seems a little more risky for a guy like that who hasn't had a lot of that exposure but I really think it's a lot because of Michael Givens and Michael Givens is really supposed to be the one in that role Mm -hmm. Michael Givens is going to be most of the time that seventh or eighth inning guy which is what you really need out of Michael Givens and then of course Felix Bautista closes it out you've got CNL Perez in there as well so I think this is a temporary role for Brian Baker which it doesn't concern me as much Keegan Aiken is the one I'm really concerned with I just don't I haven't seen out of Keegan Aiken for a long time in the regular season, not not including spring training, a good outing. It's been a long time. He had, after about those two months to start the season last year, he was horrible for the remainder yeah. of the season. Yeah, he, he was not good the remainder of the season, but he, he finished the year with a 320 ERA yeah. in 81 and two-thirds Be- innings. Because of the good two months. Yeah, because of the good two months and the fact that a lot of the runs that he allowed to score were inherited runners yep. in, in the second half. Now, you look at Brian Baker, 66 games, 69 and two-thirds innings, nice. Uh, he had a 349 ERA. You look at the Orioles' bullpen in, in total last year, Joey Crable, who was awful, awful, in uh, from the, last, the second half of July on. 390 ERA. It was probably the worst of the everyday relievers. Uh, Bautista, 219. CNL Perez, 140. Brian Baker, yeah. 349. Dylan Tate, 305. Jorge Lopez, who was traded away, 168. You look at these relievers, and they were really good last year. We, we're not even talking about Dylan Tate, who we don't expect to see till the end of May right. at, at this point. I don't think that Brian Baker ultimately will end up being terrible, but... No, I, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying there's going to be, again, regression from where right. he was last year. And But the, the issue here is, in my opinion, 
And it's one game. It's one game, and it's in Fenway. Yep. And keep in mind, the, Fem- the, the Red Sox still have a good offense, yep. one. And two, they're getting paid, too. They're getting paid, too, and it's their home opener, and yep. everybody's picking them to play in last place. You don't think they have something to play for? Not only that, yeah. it's 38 degrees. 38 degrees. Yeah. The, the, the weather and the wind are weird. The, the sun is bright, and it's just a different— And the ballpark, it, the dimensions are weird. It's goofy, right? So the thing is, Brandon Hyde tends to fall in love— with dudes who he thinks have potential, and that's Joey Crable and Brian Baker and Ryan McKenna and Ruth Neto Door. Mm-hmm. He he falls in love with aspects of dudes and trusts them in situations where they probably haven't proven that that's where they should be pitching. When Brian Baker or Joey Crable last year, especially in the second half, was his go-to, yeah. the first guy out of the bullpen when when he took the starter out. In a close game, it's like, what are we doing? And they almost yeah. inevitably get, gave, gave it up. And then you see it again on on Thursday. He goes to Brian Baker after Keegan Aiken, and and was Keegan Aiken noticeably thinner to you? You know, I didn't notice that. I saw you tweet it, but I didn't specifically notice that myself. He see when he was on the mound, I had to double check to make sure it was him because really? I remember last year watching him come into games and thinking, this dude just looks sloppy. Hmm. He looked sloppy. He actually looked like a ball player to me when he, when he stepped on the mound. To me, he was noticeably thinner. Everybody talked about, about Tyler Wells, who is noticeably thinner. Yeah. Uh, Keegan Aiken looked in far better shape than I've ever seen Interesting. Him, okay. Uh, when he was on the mound the other day. But that's neither here nor there. I'm not, I'm not coming at Brandon Hyde. Brian Baker was really good down the stretch he last was. year. And look, Keegan Aiken was really good at the beginning of the year last year. He didn't give up a run in spring training. So Logan Gillespie was good in his limited appearances last year. Yeah. CNL Perez was good last year, and he started good this year. And Felix Bautista has some of the nastiest stuff in the game. So yeah. I can't really harp on him coming, bringing these guys into the game because they've, they've all, to a certain extent, earned it. I just feel like if you're coming in and you're getting a guy out you're getting the guy in the sixth inning. I can understand Keegan Hagan. In the seventh inning, CNL Perez, no, that's when you want to use Brian Baker. In the eighth inning, that's Perez. In the ninth inning, that's Bautista. Yeah. Uh, Nick Vespi down at AAA hasn't given up a run since September of 2021. He strikes out the side in his inning of work last night. Somehow he's not on this roster, even though they need another left handed reliever. Yeah. I get it. He's a soft tosser, but there's a reason people don't touch him in the minor leagues. I, I, I think that he has not, he should have had an opportunity to maybe be up here. It's one game, and they got the win. Lost in all of this, and it's not really lost, it's just lost on us because we're focusing on the negative for some reason right now, is the fact that Adley Rutschman had a historical day on opening day. Five for five with a home run and four ribeye stakes. Adley becomes the first catcher in Major League history to have a five-hit performance on opening day. So his first opening day, he's already setting records. I picked him as uh, my third-place finisher for manager, manager. Where is my head? As my third-place finisher for MVP in the American League this year, off to a rousing start. He was just about as good as he could be. Uh, the, the fifth hit, uh, questionable. I actually had a dream <laughs> this morning right before I woke up yeah. that the official score changed that hit to an error. Yeah. Well, look, I, the first, the home run, barreled the ball just about as well as you can barrel a ball. That mm-hmm. was Adley Rutschman to a T. It was the second hit that I thought was actually the most impressive. There's a down-and-away pitch that maybe five guys are hitting from the left side. Mm-hmm. Maybe five guys. He lays the bat on that and just laces it down the left field line. There's so little guys, so few guys that can do that in Major League Baseball the way he just did that. Mm-hmm. That was, to me, 
that showed me a side of Adley Rutschman we didn't even see last year. That was better than I thought. That was the best hit I've ever seen from Adley Rutschman. The way he hit that, it, it's you just don't see that. It's not normal. And you know, to me, the the bat looks incredible. Obviously, he he framed from he helped Kyle Gibson so much in that mm-hmm. game, so much. Um, This guy is the complete player. He is the complete player we thought he'd be. And I'm not saying he's not going to have his struggles this year because he will. At some point, he will will have an 0 for 25 stretch or something like that where you go, oh, no, you know, something's wrong. But what he did yesterday is what Adley, not yesterday, but Thursday, is what Adley Rutschman is. A thousand percent what he is. Yeah, a thousand percent like his batting average. Yeah, a thousand percent. Yeah. Yeah. And not to mention, he also had a walk in that game. He reached base all six plate appearances. It was for all of us who watched him last year and we watched him and we're like, oh, man, and this is just the tip of the iceberg for him to come out and have the the spring that he had and then go five for five and reach base six times on opening day, the first game of the year. It was. How can you not be excited? And he looks that much better. Yeah. I'm telling you, he looks that much. His plate coverage was excellent last year. Mm-hmm. It's even better this year, mm-hmm. from what I can tell already so far. And, and what another thing that we're that we haven't even talked about is um, Ryan Mountcastle. Mm-hmm. Ryan Mountcastle. Look, in his first at bat, I saw him swing at a pitch that I don't want him swinging at the slider. Yeah. yeah. But he still managed to get the walk in that first at bat. He had two walks on the day. He had himself um, a couple of was it one or two base hits? I think he had one. Yeah, he went he went one for four, but yeah. he walked twice. You know, he, seeing him be, have patience at the plate, seeing him get on base, watching Gunnar Henderson right behind him get on base twice with with, with a couple of walks. Gunnar, look, he's going to struggle to start the year. Sure. I have, I have no doubts that he's not going to that he's probably going to hit about two hundred in April. But he has that plate discipline where he's his own yeah. base percentage is probably oh, yeah. going to be three fifty or better in April. A- and knowing that this team can get on base like that, and then the five stolen bases. Yeah, This team is going to steal 150 bags plus this year. With the way the rules are, and like Adam Frazier's stolen base is a prime example where he stole that base off the pitcher because of the pitch clock. He walked down there. Yeah, the the, the pitch clock was under five seconds. He knows this guy's not throwing over. He got a running head start. uh, Reese McGuire didn't even try to throw no, somebody out. No. They have five stolen bases, another another couple of um, bases advanced on wild pitches, and Reese McGuire didn't even make a throw yeah. at any point in that game except for, you know, after the warm-up pitches were done before the inning started. This Orioles team, and this, this is where I think that they might have an advantage over the rest of the American League East because maybe Toronto—I'm sorry, not Toronto, maybe— um, the Tampa Bay Rays can match the Orioles' speed, but the Orioles' speed, their base running acumen, combined with Adley Rutschman behind the plate, mm-hmm. I don't think you're going to see another team that's going to be able to manufacture runs the way the way the Orioles can just by stealing bases and then taking runs away yeah. by throwing guys out on the base paths. I think that that's going to be an X factor for this team. Oh, surely. I mean, when you have Mateo and Mullins, who are two guys that can easily get you 40-plus stolen bags this year with the way that they've changed things. You know, last year it was more of a 30-plus thing, and they both did that. This year, I think it's almost a a pretty easy 40-plus. Mateo had three on opening day. Two. Oh, I thought it was three. It had, he had two. The one where he went to third base was on a wild pitch. Oh, they didn't count that? Okay, no. got it, got it. Because he it. wasn't running on the pitch. I, I didn't even see that. Okay, so... 
he had two, but that's still it's significant. The the dude's gonna run the bases every time he gets on base. If he gets on first, he's stealing second almost every time. And Mateo is gonna have a incredible success rate with that, and Cedric Mullins will as well. So you have those two guys, you know, really batting nine and one every single day. Uh, that's a, a huge advantage for your team. And then you have other guys like Adam Frazier can steal a base or two. Ryan McKenna, if he ever does get on base, is probably gonna steal a couple. Gunnar Henderson could, is gonna steal. Gunnar Henderson's gonna steal some. You never know. Austin Hayes might steal a few. There's going to be guys in this lineup over and over that can steal bases and that's a huge mm-hmm. x factor for them and you're right Adley Rutschman of course behind the plate is a huge x factor as well I said this to Luke and, and you as well last uh, last show that I think the Orioles on paper are one of the most talented teams in the in the entire American League it doesn't mean they're going to play like that but I think on paper so young. because there are things like that they have the speed there, there's <clears> power <throat> there's good contact hitters there's good things across the board for this team I mean Adam Frazier the last two years has 21 combined steals. Mm-hmm. He, he's a good base runner. Yep. He's not fast, but he's like he's not. He doesn't have elite sprint speed, but he's a good base runner. He, uh, yeah, he exactly. And, and exactly. so if he knows when he can get that kind of a running running jump like he had the other day, he might steal another 10 to 15 bags this year. I really think that the Orioles are going to steal well over 100 bases this year, and kind of be that team where you have to you have to pay attention to that because next thing you know they've got three extra runs on the board because you couldn't cut them down on the base paths I think it is wildly important now something that I want to talk about and Zach doesn't know I'm talking about this these aren't in the notes Stan doesn't know I'm talking about this this has nothing to do with Zach and has nothing to do with Stan they are innocent in this I want to talk about John Angelos. And Zach, you don't have to comment on this. I know that it makes you uncomfortable. I know it makes Stan uncomfortable. But I wouldn't be doing my job as a host of an Oriole-centric baseball show, a weekly Oriole-centric baseball show, if I didn't talk about this. And John Angelos spoke with the media again the other day. And once again, he put his foot in his mouth. They asked him why he hasn't shown his financials, why he hasn't opened the books like he said he would. And he immediately says, has the Baltimore Sun offered to open their books? Have the Baltimore Ravens, the Washington Commanders, the Washington Capitals, the Washington Wizards, have they offered to open their books? Well, no. Nobody asked you to open your books. You offered that in January. You offered to open your books and show and be completely transparent. And now you're backpedaling. To me, it's cowardly. To me, it's you put your foot in your mouth in January and now you're trying to act like you didn't do it. Like, we're the ones that put the impetus on you to to do this. No, you made the offer and now you're not standing up to it. Then he's asked about extending guys like, Ad, like Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson. And he says, we'll do what we can within, and I'm paraphrasing here because I can't remember the exact quote, but we'll do what we can within the confines of our system. Which is basically another way of saying, if it works for our finances, we'll see what we can do. Sell the team. Sell the team. You combine these statements with you putting the Orioles winning third amongst your priorities for this ball club and for this for, the, for Oriole Park at Camden Yards, behind community outreach and getting con- actually getting concerts into the into the stadium and community outreach. Orioles winning baseball games was third on your priority list. Then you say you don't give a thumbs up to trying to extend your star players, Adley Rutschman, who is going to be an MVP candidate this year, and Gunnar Henderson, who's going to be a Rookie of the Year candidate this year. And you make statements, you say you're going to do things, and then act like you never said it and blame everybody else 
for asking you about it after you offered it up. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. And I've been an Orioles fan my entire life. I've seen the playoffs six times. Six? Five times. Five times I've seen the Orioles make the playoffs in my lifetime. I've known 14 winning seasons. I'm 38 years old. They've never been to a World Series in my lifetime. And I say all this to say that I've stuck by this team every day of my life that I can remember. I'm talking back to when I was six years old. I've stayed by, stuck by this team every single day. And I'll continue to be here. I'll continue to host this show if they let me after me making comments about the team's owner. I'll continue to support this ball club. But every single day that I've been the eternal optimist is falling by the wayside at this point. Because I don't know how you can have faith that this, that this ownership now, Peter Angelos, say what you will about Peter, he spent money. He spent money. He signed Albert Bell. He signed uh, Scott Erickson to a, to a huge extension. He made Rafael Palmeiro and Cal Ripken two of the highest paid players in baseball in the mid-90s. He signed Adam Jones to a six-year contract. He signed Nick Markakis to a four-year contract. Uh, what was it, $48 million contract. He signed Brian Roberts to a four-year, $40 million contract, but that was a lot of money for that caliber of player. He signed Chris Davis. And yeah, hindsight being 2020, that was a terrible contract. But Peter Angelo spent that money. The Orioles in 1997 had the second highest payroll in baseball. In 1998, they had the third highest payroll in baseball. Peter Angelos, for all of his faults, for everything you want to say about him, spent money on this ball club. John Angelos is worth $2 billion, and he cries poverty. He cries poverty. He claims that the Orioles are a small market team, and that's why they can't spend with the big boys in baseball. Your market is almost the exact same size as the San Diego Padres, and they spend $200 million more than you every year. And our owner goes out and consistently, you know what? Dan Connolly said that he's spoken to the media twice in the last five years. He's now spoken to the media three times in the last two months, and I wish he hadn't. I wish he would have stuck with just sticking to the, talking to the media twice in five years. Keep that trend going, because every time he speaks, I feel worse about this team, and I love this team. You can tell by how passionate I am right now that I love this team. And I have to watch an owner go out there and embarrass the team and the fan base day in and day out by the way he dresses, by the things he says, by the way that he acts. You own a professional team. You have a duty to this city and to that franchise to put the best product on the field, which, yes, they have a great product they're going to put on the field, and they will for a few years. But what about 2026 and 2027 and 2028 when Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson and Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall and you name them is playing for another franchise just like Manny Machado? I, I am so tired of this man speaking. And this man putting his foot in his mouth. And I have no choice but to take him at surface, at surface level. Because this is what he's saying. Until his actions contradict the stupid things that are coming out of his mouth, I have no choice but to believe that what he's saying is Bible. I, I, I don't want him to talk anymore. I don't want to hear it. I want to enjoy this baseball season and not worry about the fact that these guys aren't going to be here in five years. Because until I see that he extends any of them, I have no choice but to believe that they will not be here. And that sucks. That sucks. Rant over. Apologies to Zach. I know that he wants to work in baseball, and I don't want to make him uncomfortable. Apologies to Stan. I know he has a great relationship with John. 
I have no dogs in that fight on that side of the fence. I'm on the other side of the fence. I want what's best for the Baltimore Orioles, and I don't see it happening. With that in mind, today's show is brought to you by Birdland Sports. Hey, O's fans, did you know that one of your fellow fans is the owner of Birdland Sports? That's right, Josh Soroka from the Section 336 podcast behind Birdland Sports. He knows what fellow fans want and has created an amazing collection of merchandise just for you. From the popular Birds Are Coming tees to unique player cartoon shirts and World Series prediction designs, Birdland Sports has everything you need to show off your O's pride. And with prices more affordable than the big guys, you can support a small business run by one of your own. Don't wait. Head to BirdlandSports.com today and show your support for the Birds with Birdland Sports. Joining us on the line now is Stan the Fan Charles. Stan, good morning. How are you today? I'm good, guys. How you doing? Doing well, doing well. A little, uh, little dreary, but it's warm. So I don't know how I feel about the weather today. But other than that, doing great. Orioles 1-0 after a 10-9 victory on Thursday on opening day up in Fenway, Stan. Uh, how do you feel? Kind of a mixed bag of emotions for me about this game. They got the win, but they led 8-2 to two and 10-4. to four. The bullpen, I didn't think was great. The defense, I think, was worse. What were your thoughts on this game from Thursday? Uh, very excited about the offense. Really liked the performance by uh, Gibson. I thought he was very good. Uh, very impressed with Aiken. Um, you know, uh, Baker was, was not on. Um uh, but I'm not overly worried about the bullpen at this point in time. Yeah, obviously they're missing a couple pieces in Givens and Tate, uh, but uh, and D and DL Hall. But uh, we'll talk about that in a little while, I'm sure. But uh, overall, got to be blown away by the offensive performance. But Boston, Boston's bullpen is very, very weak until they get to the the later guys. You know, uh, Martin and. Uh, Jansen. Yeah. I, mean, I can't believe that a team with that much money to spend comes back with Kelly Ward and, you know, Brazier. Uh, just awful. Awful. Yeah. And look, the Orioles reaped the benefits 15 hits, four doubles, two home runs, nine walks, and a hit by pitch, five stolen bases. Stan, based off of Thursday's game, it looks like the Orioles are going to steal a ton of bases this year. What are your thoughts on the new roles and the Orioles completely taking advantage of them? Well, I think there's a um, something else going on that hasn't been talked about that much, and that is the pitchers sort of now that the games mean something, they really need to comply with these new rules of when they've got to release the ball by or else. And I think, I think they're getting caught up in the thought processes of what they can and can't do. And I think it's going to take them a little while, and I think you're going to see an awful lot of stolen bases, not just from the Orioles, but all over the map. Well, and you look at it, Stan, last night, there were only five baseball games uh, in the league last Mm -hmm. night, and there were 10 stolen bases. In those five games, there were combined 10 stolen bases. You go back to opening day last year, and there were five stolen bases in the entire league, 10 in just five games yesterday. I I think that the Orioles, for for them, it could be an X factor for them because they have a ton of team speed, plus they have a guy behind the plate in Adley Rutschman who can pick off a lot of runners. I think that this could be um, a game changer for the Orioles moving forward. Uh, I'm not ready to say it's a game changer, but it's very clear that uh, Brandon Hyde is going to be pretty aggressive 
and he's got a couple base runners. If Mateo can get on base, if Mateo and Mullins can be on base, this offense should reap, uh, you know, an awful lot of benefits from the new rules. And even if they don't steal bases, they'll they'll befuddle pitchers and throw off defenses. I think. Yeah, I I, I think that you're gonna make you're gonna have to make an opposing pitcher have to think twice about coming come to the plate. And if you can only pick, try and pick off or step off twice, it, it could really, really benefit the Orioles moving forward. Now, moving back to the offense here, Adley Rutschman, Stan, his first opening day, and he already uh, sets history. Five for five with a walk, a home run, four RBIs. He becomes the first catcher in Major League history to record five hits on opening day. Is it possible that he's even better than advertised? Well, I, I don't know about better than advertised, but uh, I wrote in one of my pieces, uh, you know, my five takeaways from uh, Spring Bing Down in Sarasota. He's not going to hit like in the, what, what did he hit last year? Like uh, 254, back, something like that. No, but what did he hit at right handed? I think it was in the one, 160, 180. Yeah, I want to say it was like, 180, like 181, something along those lines. Right, yeah. right. He's not going to hit that. He's, and I'm not saying he's going to be a great hitter from the right side, but I think you can you can see that this guy is a guy who can hit probably 310, 315 from the left side and hit 240, 250 from the right side, mm-hmm. you know, and that's a, that's a much better overall player that's playing just about every day. So uh, we'll, we'll see how manager Brandon Hyde wants to use him, give him rest. Uh, there's no doubt that he's not going to play that 140 or 150 games behind the plate. Right. But he's a bat. He's, he's got a bat that I think you're going to want in there. And whereas last year, what we saw, it was like, there was no big deal when he sat against a lefty, but now I think you're going to want him in his bat in the game. He's just, uh, you know, he's a weapon. There's no question about it. Oh, ab- absolutely. And he hit 174 with a 285, a 287 yeah. on base percentage against uh, yeah. left-handed pitching last year, but he even said that it how was. Many, a, how many home runs did he get from the right side? Um, last year, I, I you know what I I can go back and look for you, but I'm I can't, can't remember off the top okay. of my head. But I did, I, I think it was okay. two. I believe I I know he hit one at the end of the year in Toronto, uh, and then he also hit one at right. Camden Yards at one point. So right. I, I I don't know if it was more than that, but it wasn't many. It couldn't have been more than five. Yeah, yeah. It, Again, it, it, I'm not predicting. One. He I'm hit one. Just one. Great things. One, I'm not predicting great things from him, but I'll be surprised if he doesn't hit seven or eight home runs for the right side this year. You yeah, know, yeah, seven, seven to ten home runs for the right side, and and a good seventeen to twenty five from the left side. You know, I mean, he's, he could be a thirty plus home run guy. Yeah, I'll 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 tell you, Stan. I picked him to finish third in MVP voting this year, and he's he's all from running. Like, he's going to have a hard time with guys like Trout, Otani, Julio Rodriguez, and Aaron Judge in the league. But you'll, I think at the end of the year, you're going to be hard-pressed to find somebody more valuable to their team than Adley Rutschman is to the Baltimore Orioles. I think he makes all the difference in the world for this ball club. And that was proven last year. The Orioles were 16 games above 500 after he got, after he got called up last year. So mm-hmm. it's been... Um, been a great start to his career and seems like it's only getting better from here. Were you surprised, Stan, now talking about the other guy, Gunnar Henderson, were you surprised to see him DH and have Ramon Arias at third base on opening day? 
Well, you know, when I saw it, I like did a double take, and because I just assumed all winter that he would play third base, uh, and and Urias would be the DH or you know or place in second base. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when I thought about it, I said, "Hey, it's opening day. You know, you know why it takes a little pressure off a of gunner a little bit, but uh, you know the other guy won the Gold Glove last year. You know, yeah." Um, so it's it's not I don't know it's it's interesting I I have a hard time imagining that Brandon Hyde wants to turn Gunnar Henderson into almost you know an everyday or or four times a week DH and only play him a couple of days I think it'll level out where he plays maybe six out of ten games at at third base Gunnar and Urias will get get his uh, get his games in there you know. Yeah, and and that's the other thing I kind of want to ask you about, Stan, is with the versatility that the Orioles have in their infield, Gunner can play short, he can play third, Arias can play third, he can play second, Frazier can play second base, he can play third base in a pinch, he can play in the corner outfield, Taron Bavra can play second, first, third. Do you think that the Orioles are going to be able to rotate all those guys and keep them all fresh for the duration of the season by being able to play, not have them play, you know, in the field four or five days every week. I mean, I mean, five, six days every week. It could be three or four days in the field, a couple of days DHing, and still get them all plenty of at bats and plenty of times in the lineup. Yeah, I think that that's sort of a pleasant problem to have is when you have that much versatility. And when you say he, uh, Frazier can play just a little bit of corner outfield, he played 38 games in the outfield last year. Now, do I know how many innings he had his feet in the outfield? But he, clearly. Scott Service wasn't afraid to put him out there, so he probably is a, a plus defender. Don't know how well he throws because he's second baseman from the outfield, but uh, he's going to move, mix and match some people. And you know, there's a, I think I think it's a really good problem I have. You know, yeah, that you got that you got a bench this deep. You know, this is this is a far cry. The guy I always pick on is Rio Ruiz. Uh, this is not Rio Ruiz on the bench. You've got weapons on the bench every single day that can come up and give you a major league at bat in a key moment in a game. And Stan, it is so exciting and so refreshing to know that if Hyde wants to rest somebody, he's got somebody that he can put into their into their spot, and you don't feel like you're losing much, if anything, from that lineup. The Orioles' depth, and we've talked about it all offseason, their depth is something to behold. And that's why I, we were talking about Adam Frazier and how maybe he wasn't a necessary signing because Westberg and Norby and Ortiz had good springs, and you see Norby hit a three-run homer last night for AAA, and you see uh, Westberg go two for five. But uh, Adam Frazier at the big league level has two doubles, a walk, and a stolen base the other day. He played some remarkable defense behind Kyle Gibson and the rest of that pitching staff on Thursday. And you can understand why this was a guy that the Orioles coveted. Uh, Adam Frazier, if he is the player that we saw on Thursday, and he's not going to hit two doubles and get on base three times every game, but if he's that kind of player, Stan, that's only good for this team, right? No question about it. No question about it. I mean, I think they are, you know, I think they're, a da- I do think they're a little bit of a dangerous team. I really do. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I don't see, you know, right now that, that those two missing bats, I mean, missing arms, right-handed arms in the bullpen, uh, you know, are a little concerning. Uh, love to know sort of more when, when they think they can come back. But, uh, 
uh, overall, I like I like the, the the twenty-six men they came north with. You know, you can't really make an argument about who they brought north with them. Maybe a different reliever here or there, but the guys that they brought with them are the guys that all helped them win that ball game on on Thursday. Uh, Grayson Rodriguez did not come north, much to the chagrin of a lot of us. I thought that it was they. I, I was very outspoken in saying he has nothing left to prove at AAA. Now you you think that what he can prove is that he can get through a lineup a third time, which is true. Last night he didn't I, get that. I'd like to see him. I'd like to see him, Paul. I'd like to see him get through a lineup the second time. Yeah, and, and, I, I've watched the guy pitch. I've watched the guy pitch live three times, and I've never seen him complete a fourth inning. Yeah, and that's that's, that, that's not that's not that's not a guy who's got nothing to prove. Somewhere along the line, reputation stops and performance at the major league level begins. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, I I bang the drum loudly that the Orioles were not developing Kevin Gosman, and look what they missed out on. Okay, mm-hmm. never said Kevin Gosman couldn't pitch. He was never brought up and developed. He was, quote-unquote, needed at the major league level. They didn't want to waste his bullets. He never learned how to pitch until he got opportunities and steady opportunities and wasn't jerked back and, back and forth. Show me a guy that can, can, can show that he's ready to graduate. And I haven't seen Grayson Rodriguez show that yet. He was about to last year when he had the lat injury. Yeah. Uh, and he, he just did not have a good spring. He had glimpses of a good spring, but he's not a guy I want to be arguing about, like, well, they should have turned him into a bullpen arm. Okay? He's a guy that needs to be a horse on this team when they're really going to contend. And I didn't see a guy in spring training that showed me that he was a horse when he can't get through the fourth inning. Stan, you're you're not wrong, and to and in my defense, when I wrote well, my well, apparently you apparently you think I am. No, 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 Stan. I, when, I when I when I yeah. wrote when I wrote my notes to you, that was this was before Grayson's start last night, and I expected Grayson right. to go out and absolutely dominate. I have no idea. I have no idea how he did last night. He went, Stan. He went four innings. He he went four innings. Yeah. He, he gave up two runs in the first inning. Uh, he gave up another right. unearned run in the third. He went four innings. He threw seventy three pitches, forty eight strikes, mm-hmm. and he right. walked twice as many as he struck out. He walked four, and he only right. struck out two in a triple in a triple right. A game. And so, if that's yep. to me, that shows a guy who who is, in my opinion, underperforming. I think his confidence might be a little bit shaken. And when I, I think he's, I think he's putting, I think he's putting the fact that he got sent down. I think was a, a bit of a stunner to him mm-hmm. because he, I think he had been led to believe not that you have it made, but I think he just thought, hey, I'll just go down there and I'll be Grayson Rodriguez and I'll, I've got a job. He did not perform at the level they needed. It has nothing to do with manipulating his service time. Sure. They had five guys that were significantly better than him at this point in time. And I think what he's doing now is putting a little pressure on himself. I think he'll settle down the next three or four starts, and let's get him to where he can pitch five innings in a game and not throw 89 pitches through five innings. He's a guy who has stuff that he should be going down there and having 12 to 15 pitch innings. Yeah. Not how many pitches did you say he threw in four innings? It was 73, 78, something like that. 
and and his yeah. strike to ball yeah. ratio was not good. You know, right. and, and, right. and Stan, Stan, I'll tell you, uh, I've been very careful to not scream service time manipulation because honestly, I'm not convinced that that's what the Orioles were doing when they sent him down last week. What what I what I saw was a guy who. Didn't pitch particularly well his last three or four outings in spring training. I saw five guys who could be in the rotation who did pitch well, especially Tyler Wells and Kyle Brash in each of their last two outings, plus two veterans and then Dean Kramer, who was arguably your best starter last year. I saw five guys who did nothing to lose their position in the bullpen. I mean bullpen, in the rotation. So when I look at that and I look at this team trying to go out there and win ball games and make the postseason this year, you can you can make a justification that look Grayson Rodriguez proved to be our sixth best starter in spring training and we want to put the guys out there who we think can help us win ball games in April right now maybe Grayson helps you May June July August and September but in April you need guys out there that can win ball games and I I can understand that they didn't feel like Grayson could could give that to them especially after right. seeing him struggle in AAA in his first start last night. Mm-hmm. Well. Um, we're finally in agreement on that. Yeah, I, I I thought all along he was just working on something, but then when he goes to AAA and struggled the way he did last night, there's something going on with his confidence, in my opinion. But I, I think you're right that we'll see him settle in the next three or four starts down there. Um, I want to talk Let's a little bit about, so. about your power rankings. You put those out uh, this past week. Um Let's talk a little bit about them, Stan. And uh, you spoke a lot about how you had the Dodgers. I think you had them 16th. Was it 16th or was it 11th in your power rankings? I've got the Dodgers 16th. I I do not see a very good team uh, in the 2023 uh, Los Angeles Dodgers, and they've got so they've got so much money to throw after problems. It just leads me to a supposition that they're sort of going to recalibrate. I think they still think they've got enough to make the playoffs. I don't see them as a playoff team at all this year. Yeah. I really don't. Now, you had the Padres as your number two team in your power rankings, your, your preliminary power rankings yeah. to start the year. They're 0 for 2 against a, col- a directionless Colorado Rockies team. I it's know. It's, I know. it's early. That offense is, is not hitting. We, we, we saw... Juan Soto last year for both the Nationals and the Padres get on base a ton, but not not hit for high average. Um, again, you're, you're two games in. Tatis isn't playing yet, but is there any concern for you about the Padres, or is it just kind of all eyes are on them, and anytime they lose a ball game, it's going to be magnified? Uh, I don't think it needs to be. I, I, to me, I'm not magnifying it. I'm not worried about them at all. They've got a, just a, a dynamite roster. Uh, you know, they've got a great manager. Uh, as long as their pitching stays healthy, uh, they, sh- they should breeze through that division. I think they'll, they'll – I think – I'm not saying they'll win 111 games, but I think they'll win – in the 105, 107 range, something like that. And I think the Dodgers, I I think the Dodgers are like an 88, 89 win team. Tops. Tops. I really don't think they, they did a good job this off season at all. I mean, the Lux injury, I I never saw anything in Lux. Now, again, I didn't scout the Dodgers. I see him on TV. He looked like a very uncertain fielder at second base. And they're asking him to play th- uh, short before his injury. And then the, the plan in letting Justin Turner go was to have Max Muncy, who was a 
pretty much a butcher over at first base mm. play third base. I don't see that one working out at all. Yeah. I think they've got some, and, and their big, their big offensive uh, weapon to replace Trey Turner. And, and even though it uh, compromised Bellinger and Turner is the sign, Justin Hayward and, uh, and bring in JD Martinez, who's clearly on the back nine of his career. You know, he's, he's like on the back three or four, uh, as he limps to the end of his career, not an impact bat any longer. Yeah. Martinez. Yeah. I, I, I still think he's got a little something in there, but it's not anywhere near what he was in. He might hit 17 home runs and knock in 64 RBI. He's not a hundred RBI, but dangerous guy that you don't want to face in key moments. Sure. He can't handle, he can't handle the, the like a Josh Hader, will eat him up. To be fair, yeah. did did have a 340 on base percentage last year. So not he still gets yeah. some base and still can hit for a little power, but he's a productive hitter. He's yeah. just not he's not a middle of the order guy anymore. He's probably a six hitter. He, he, he did career. drive in 99 yeah. runs in 2021 too. So he's yeah. not too far removed from that, but I agree he's probably in the last 5 holes or so of his career. Yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah. now, Stan, yeah. you have the Braves at number one. You have the Mets at number four, and you said you would have had the Phillies maybe in the top five if it weren't for the Bryce Harper injury. Uh, and I know that you put these out on March 27th, so this was before we realized that Justin Verlander was going on the IL to start the season. Yeah. We know Edwin Diaz is out for the year, and the Mets don't necessarily have a closer uh, ready to come in in the ninth inning for them at this point. Are they still your number four team based on how the, how the year is starting? So I know you do these week to. Yeah, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let it roll for a little while right now. I mean, you know, there might be a, a course correction to maybe make them number six. I'm not ready to to sort of bury them. We'll have sure. to see how serious this Terrace Major injury is. This is a new one on me. You know, I mean, I know I'd heard of Terrace Major before, but all of a sudden, what he's got that and. Uh, uh, I got a pitcher on my fantasy team, Cody Morris. I think there's three or four guys. It's taking the place of the oblique. Yeah. All of a sudden. So we've got a new term to, to learn, Terrace Major. Yeah, I'd never heard of it either. I just saw that he was, it, it was like breaking news on opening day that he was going to start the year it's, on the IL. It's basically the injury. It's a lesser form of the injury that uh, Grayson had last year. Yeah, yeah, there was an update it's this morning. Back from, there in that lab area. Yeah. There was an update so this morning we'll from. See one of the, the Mets beat writers who said is a very minor injury, and they don't expect him to be on for long. So it should be resolved pretty yeah. quickly. I don't think that's going to affect them too much you know, over the entire year, but I, I do think that's significant start to the season when a guy like that is is on the injured list. Stan, is there any concern? And, with- and, I will throw, and I'll throw real quick, David Robertson is a still a, a solid. He's nowhere near Edwin Diaz, but if there's one manager... Who won't pity himself? It's Buck Showalter. He'll just figure out what he has to do to win games, and there'll be a team that will gladly give up an arm for what Steve Cohn will pay for. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're, they're, he'll, he'll, they'll figure that out in pretty short order. Stan, I saw the other day that the amount of money that the Mets are playing, paying in luxury taxes. Is still more than two times. Over, the, it's more than two times yeah, the payroll of the Oakland Athletics. Just their luxury tax. Right, right. They're paying like over a hundred million, aren't they? Yeah, aren't they well over about 100 million. 111 million. Yeah, yeah, a, a lot. They yeah. that guy does not care. Probably the combined 
that's probably that's probably the comp combined uh, of the Orioles and the A's probably combined almost to that. Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 yeah, a I mean, sight we, to be we'd seen. We'd probably be if you added both of us up, we'd probably be a hundred twenty five hundred and thirty million. I'm guessing uh, the A's and the O's. You know, I think but, it'd be closer to a hundred million. I don't think the A's payroll is much higher than forty five million. This, this year, right, and the Orioles is sixty five, Some, something like that. So yeah, yeah, like, yeah, about so, so it's yeah. almost a wash. It's almost a wash. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and before we let you go, Stan, did you see this with yeah. Anthony Rendon the other night? What he did? Yeah, he'll probably get suspended for five games because he's on my fantasy team. Yeah, so <laughs> well, for, I had for, to worry. For, I worried. I worried about what he was worth with injuries, mm-hmm. and now I'm going to get this. I don't know why he needed to put his hand on the guy. You know, yeah. the guy. The guy was out of line. Um, you know, I'm sure the guy was profane as can be, and he'll explain that. But I don't know that it's a good look for a baseball player to, got, to have his his hands, unless that guy touched him first. And I doubt that he did. So we'll yeah, see. not a good look. And to me, that's a guy who. You know, he signed this huge contract with the Angels. He's barely been on the field uh, since signing that contract with them. And then he's kind of cracking a little bit under the pressure. He takes an offer in his first game. Guy calls him a B-word. He grabs him by his jersey, calls him an mf and takes a, sw- a swing at him. That, yeah. that is yeah. such a bad look. It was a bad look. There's no question about it. But uh, I- I've always liked him. I always thought he was a real pro. Me too. And I'm not ready to bury him yet because of that. Oh, I'm not burying him either. I love Anthony Rendon. I think that that's just a guy yeah. who who is feeling the pressure yeah. and and he he just kind of cracked a little bit there. But I I, I love yeah. Anthony Rendon. I want I wanted the Orioles yeah. to take him in the draft that they took Machado. So I love me some, yeah. some Rendon. Stan, what do you have coming up this week? Uh, not sure yet what we've got Monday or Thursday working on those things right now but i've got the two zooms and i'll be on glenn's show and we'll have uh, new power rankings this week and uh luke and i are going to do something on monday afternoons with my power rankings where uh we'll uh, reveal them a little bit more on a on a, on a zoom like uh video and uh talk a little bit of uh, baseball with uh, luke yeah all we, right we had we had luke on last week and he was here for about almost two hours and it was awesome it yeah. was absolutely incredible yeah he's he's a very knowledgeable guy yeah great really great is. opinions yep stan All have right. a great week enjoy the season we'll talk to you next week okay uh what's the weather forecast up in boston the, it's, it's supposed to clear up by by um seven percent chance of rain uh by four o'clock so oh, I, they're, great. They're, yeah they're gonna play is today a four o'clock start? It's a four o five start, and the highest percentage of rain after the game starts is like twenty four percent around seven o'clock. So okay. I, th- I think they're going to get all the right. Game in. They'll get that. They'll get that one in. Yep. Okay, and that's is that is it Irvin or Kramer today? It's Kramer. Kramer. Yep. Kramer pitching against Sale, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Should be all a right, good guys. one, Stan. We'll talk to you next week. Enjoy yourself. Thank you, Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Bye. See you. Now, with Stan the Fan Charles, who continues to have two great shows for you every week, every Monday night, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball, and every Thursday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. This week, Stan and Ross caught up with legendary Ken Singleton, and Stan and Gary chat with the Athletics' Jeff Zrebeck. Find those shows under the videos tab at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or pressboxonline.com slash video. Stan and Ross are back this Monday night for another great show. 
Before we catch our break, Zach, you have something you want to sound off on. Yeah, I think some pretty good news uh, this week for MLB minor leaguers. And this is another one of the, the sounding offs where I almost update another sounding off I've done before. Because I've always said that I think minor leaguers should be paid more for you know the what they, what they go through. The housing situation finally kind of got resolved last year. We saw um, teams start to, to pay for housing and offer housing to their minor league players. And when I say minor league players, I'm not talking about the Adley Rutschmans of the world, guys that you know get drafted first overall and, and get make eight million off a signing bonus, something like that. But I'm talking about the guys who you know come out of the Dominican Summer League and make it stateside, or you know the guys who are drafted in the 20th round and really just don't have the money to support themselves under the MLB uh, minor league contracts. So. What we're seeing now is a complete overhaul of this, and minor leaguers actually being paid a little more, which is which is great to see. So the complex league, they're going to make forty eight hundred per year to nineteen thousand eight hundred per year. Uh, low A eleven thousand to twenty six thousand. Whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. Go back and say those numbers again. Forty eight hundred to nineteen thousand eight hundred. Nineteen thousand eight hundred. Right, okay. is the complex league salaries, eleven thousand to twenty six thousand two hundred for the for low A, eleven thousand to twenty seven thousand three hundred for high A, and double A thirteen thousand eight hundred to thirty thousand two hundred fifty, and then for triple A seventeen thousand five hundred to thirty five thousand eight hundred. So. A pretty big overhaul there. Uh, yeah, th- thirty five thousand. The high end of of AAA is. Uh, very, very uh, respectable compared to what it was. Um, you know, there were a lot of guys who were making just in the singular thousands per year at mm-hmm. every level, which it's very hard to support yourself on and thousands yeah. of dollars and per year. They're making very little more than minimum wage, and now you're seeing a huge overhaul of this. Even the complex league guys can make up to twenty grand a year. Yeah, and, and look, a lot of these guys, like th- these guys in the complex league, that are. 16, 17, 18, 19 years old mm-hmm. that don't have all the bills in the world right now. Right. 20 grand and you're provided meals at the complex. You have your weight room at the complex. You have your showers at the complex. You're getting 20 grand and that, 20 grand is is not a lot of money. It, it, it just isn't. No. But when you have all these other things that are going to be provided to you that you otherwise would have to spend money on, right. it makes it a little bit, it makes your living arrangements that it's much a huge better. difference. It, it's, it's a big difference. $35,000 at AAA. And a lot of these guys also, some of these guys that are in the minors, they also have contracts that they signed and bonuses that they right. signed with right. these teams. So $35,000 a year on the top of that little nest egg that they do have for themselves, that's good enough that they don't have to worry about you know, yep. they they can all afford to have an, their own apartment. You don't have to have six guys to one apartment right. to a one bedroom apartment anymore. Each of these guys now can afford their own apartment. Yeah. They can they can afford to go out to dinner if they want to. They can also, you know, they they don't have to worry about paying for gym membership or anything like that because they have their their their, their stuff at the complex. Yeah. It's not a lot of money, but for what they need it's going to help them live comfortably. Right. And that, and that's what a, a lot of... Uh, how many guys... And there's no number that we can have for this, but how many guys do you think had to quit playing baseball? Oh, so many. Because, so many. And, and give up on their dreams simply because they couldn't afford to do it anymore. And here's the thing I always questioned with how little they got paid. I, would, I always thought, you know, Major League Baseball teams should as much as possible want their guys to be as healthy and as fit as possible. And a lot of these guys probably had to resort to eating food that wasn't healthy because that's what's cheap. So to me, I never understood why not give them a little more money to let them eat a little bit healthier. Mm -hmm. It's more expensive to eat healthy, but it's also going to 
result in better performance yeah. down the line. So you would think they would want that. So maybe this is part of that. This is more of this is again not really a team's issue. This is more of a Major League Baseball and the players union issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's who's really deciding on this. Teams really don't get to decide you know what they pay their players. I believe that's all wrapped up in the CBA. Sure. This has been a agreement that was wor- they worked on for a long time, ever mm-hmm. since the last CBA was was uh, signed off on. And they've been working on this, and finally it, it comes out. And the really good news, too, is that players are going to be paid year-round except for six weeks in the wintertime. And that's also, I believe, a change from before because there were there was a period of time uh, that was a little bit longer than that where they weren't getting paid before. So that's it's really good news all around. Yeah, it is It is wildly important. It, it is. It, it's wildly important because... And it's going to lead to better performance. Yeah. You know that. And you have, I mean, Mike Piazza, I can't remember exactly, but he was like a 43rd He was like 43rd, trip. yeah. So, yeah. Something like that. He was like picked in the thousands he was picked as a favor to uh one of the coaches i believe on some something happened where it was a favor tony he was picked as a it was um i think tommy lasorda picked him was as that a, a favor to a friend of his who i think like i, I think he was friends with piazza's right. dad or uncle or something I, like I, that I think you're right so tommy and he ends up becoming a hall of fame catcher yeah one of the best offensive catchers if not the best offensive catcher in major league history um yogi Berra might have something to say about that but yeah uh, Mike Piazza. Mike Piazza is one of those guys who, if they hadn't taken that chance on him, yeah. it, 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 you know, I, I guess back when he was picked, it, it, it was my argument's moot. The, the, my argument, it, it would be like the, the opposite. If, if Mike Piazza was picked now, it would be better for him now than when when he was picked back then. But, but yeah, I mean, he would never have been picked now. But but, but twenty round drafts. So. Well, th- well, that. But but also, I guess what my my overall point was. That Mike Piazza being picked where he was picked back then, mm-hmm. if somebody was picked that late now, before they, they agreed to pay them double, more than double yeah. what they were making before, you might never see them become Mike Piazza because they ha- they can't afford to play. That's they, very they, possible. They, they can't afford to do it. So you, yeah. you might have that diamond in the rough who had to stop playing baseball, and now that won't be an issue because they'll yeah. be able to afford to live. You know what I mean? Right. So this is this is wildly important. Something that's been a long time in the making and long overdue. Well, I think people forget. I think I think the number is around sixty six percent, which would be about two thirds. I forget what the exact number is, but most of the players who are in Major League Baseball right now are, I believe it was like five round, fifth round draft picks or below. Mm-hmm. So you're you know the guys in the first, second, third, fourth round, yeah, they're getting the highest bonuses for the most part, but. You know, they're, it's the guys that don't get drafted that high, that get, you know, $1,000. It's the fifth-year senior that gets a $1,000 signing bonus that just maybe needs to stick around and have a shot. That's the guy that mm-hmm. this is catering to, and yeah. that's great. So, uh, um, Trey Mancini was an eighth-round pick. Right. He was an eighth-round pick. I mean, I I look at I was just looking at this the other day because it, it was related to something else I was doing, but Vaughn Grissom, uh, who is a huge prospect right now for the Braves, probably going to take over at shortstop for them, was an 11th-round draft pick. Mm-hmm. An 11th-round draft pick. And if you look at his minor league numbers, you would never know. You would yeah. never know. Yeah, it, it, it's this is just it's it's so important. Yep, it's so important. And, and kudos to them for getting it done and wronging, uh, righting a wrong yep. that's been placed for far too long. Um, I'm a poet, and I didn't even know it. Wow. Um, we got to catch our first break. Today's show brought to you by Guilford Hall Brewery in Station North, which is the place to be for Monday's college basketball championship game. The game will air on Guilford Hall's 22-foot screen with food and drink specials during the game, including all-you-can-drink beer for just 25 to cheat. So that's it? All-you-can-drink beer for just $25. I'm going there. Uh, if you haven't been to Guilford Hall Brewery yet, this is a great chance to check it out. So we'll see you at Guilford Hall Monday night for the college basketball title game when we come back in. From MassInSports.com, Rock Kabako joins the show. That's next on The Battle Round. 
Have you experienced hardship due to COVID-19 and want to start a new career path? Look no further than CCBC. Starting in March, CCBC offers short-term career training programs like real estate sales. And the best part, funding is available for those who qualify. Real estate sales is a lucrative career that can provide a stable income and flexibility. With CCBC's real estate sales program, you'll learn everything you need to know to get started in this exciting field. Call us at 443-840-2222 or ccbcmd.edu to learn more. CCBC Real Estate Sales. Your new career starts now with funding available. 443-840-2222 or ccbcmd.edu. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles phenom Gunnar Henderson, breaking down how he was able to become the top prospect in baseball at such a young age and what could be next in his first full MLB season. Also inside, we meet lacrosse players from the men's and women's college programs across the state, and Bo Smoka breaks down another year wide receiver issues for the Ravens. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich, hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point Boulevard. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers start at over $60,000 and over $64,000 for lateral officers with $10,000 signing bonuses available. Plus, cadets start at over $32,000. Great benefits are available like medical, dental, and vision insurance, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days per calendar year with no limit, career advancement to more than 20 specialized units, and more with further incentives for military service members and veterans. A passion for service, a career for life, with the Baltimore County Police Department. Find out more at joinbaltimorecountypd.com or call 410-887-5542. Must be a United States citizen, have a valid driver's license and a high school diploma or GED equivalent. Welcome back to the Bat Around, coming to you live from our Towson studios here on a gray but warm Saturday here on April 1st. Uh, while Zach gets Rockabotco on the line, I want to remind you that today's show is brought to you by Pressbox's Glenn Clark Radio. Glenn Clark Radio is the definitive place to find the best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. You can watch the show every weekday from 10 to noon at youtube.com slash pressboxonline or facebook.com slash pressboxsports or you can listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio with podcasts available on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. You 
never know who might pop up on GCR. This week, the guys caught up with ESPN's Mike Greenberg, Saints quarterback Jameis Winston, and former Ravens tight end Max Williams. You can find those interviews and more right now in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in Review feature at PressBoxOnline.com. Coming up in just a matter of moments from MassInSports.com, we have Rock Kabako joining the show. Going to talk all things Orioles here, so we're happy to get him on the program. I believe he is on the line now with us here. So again, from MassInSports.com, the one, the only, Rock Kabako. Rock, good morning. It's Paul. It's Zach. How are you today? Good. I'm the only because nobody else is asking for that assignment. So it's just me. (laughs) Well, you knock it out of the park. So even if there were others, you'd still be the guy. I'm pretty sure of it. So, uh, Rock, with so many things to talk about with the Orioles regarding roster construction, opening day, all the things going on with this team. The first thing I want to talk about, Keegan Aiken looked noticeably thinner to me on the mound. Has anybody else brought this up at this to this point? (laughs) <laughs> he may have shed a few pounds. I, I think everybody shows up in the best shape of their lives. So I, I can say Tyler Wells did lose 20 pounds. Mm-hmm. I don't think Aiken lost 20, but he did look a little fitter. And Wells, I was trying to get him to say that you know, the spring training cliche, I'm in the best shape of my life. And he's like, I'm not saying it. You guys keep trying to get me because I'm hoping in August I'm in the best shape of my life. I'm not going to say it yet. But uh, yeah, Aiken looks like he's in better condition. Yeah, he, he, he certainly did. He, 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 I thought I, I noticed it and had to do a double take when I saw him on the mound because he looked like an in-shape ball player to me. So glad to see him out there and actually, and not actually because he pitched well last year, pitching fairly well on opening day. Now somebody who's always in great shape and had a great day on opening day is Adley Rutschman. And Rock, when we say great day, we mean historic day. Uh, in our season preview last week, I picked Adley to finish third in AL MVP voting. And he goes out there and goes five for five with a home run, four RBIs, and a walk on base all six times. And first catcher in Major League history with five hits on opening day. How legitimate is his candidacy? And I know it's been one game, but for MVP for this season. Yeah, I mean, I think it's legit. I certainly think he could finish the year with everybody saying he's now the best catcher in baseball. Uh, I will make give you a hot take, though. I think he's going to make it out this year. Yeah. I don't think he's going to maintain what he was able to do. Eventually, he's going to make it out. But it was – this guy knows how to raise the bar. But what's really impressive about him is afterward, every question about what he did, and it was historic, and he was setting modern-day franchise records left and right and major league records. And one thing, you know, Babe Ruth was like one of the three people besides him that had done it. All he kept doing was spinning it back to it was a team win. We won. That's what's most important. And it was legit. He wasn't being fake humble. He's uncomfortable with that attention, that spotlight. And I'm like, well, you didn't leave us much choice. If you're going to go five for five with a walk and a home run, you're going to get the attention, especially when you're Adley Rutschman. But really, if they had lost that game, he would not have been happy at all. He would not have been smiling over five for five with a walk and a home run. So the win was the most important thing to him, and it was legit. And I think that's one of the many things that's impressive about him is that, that makeup. And I'll tell you, Rock, he just kind of set the pace for the rest of the offense. We know that at the beginning of the year and at the end of the year, the team really struggled with runners in scoring position. They went 5 for 14 with runners in scoring position on Thursday. You're talking six extra extra base hits, nine walks, and a hit by pitch. They had five stolen bases. Is there something different? Because they they were clicking on all cylinders uh, in spring training offensively. Is there something different from last year to this year about their approach at the plate and the way they're swinging the bats? 
I think it's just a continuation of the philosophy that they have now in Ryan Fuller and Matt Burke Schulte, the co-hitting coaches, and the hitting instructors that they had in camp, the double-A, triple-A hitting coaches. Kind of a team effort, a lot of guys were saying. This approach that you know takes a little longer with some guys than others to really get comfortable with it, but a lot of it is identifying that pitch you can hit, laying off the ones that you can't. Easier said than done when you have like a split second to make that call. Right. But it's just you know figuring out your hot spot, your zone, and what you can attack and what you lay off of, and the walk totals go up. And like I said, they had nine yesterday, and uh, you know you can put some of that on the Red Sox. A lot was just very patient at bats. Gunnar Henderson walked twice. He's a rookie. You know, Rutschman drew another walk, and uh, it's just you know even in, in spring training, Colton Kowser, who was their first round pick a couple years ago, he he might have led the team or was very close to it in walks. And this right. is you know a, a guy who's now in Triple A, but a very patient hitter. And that's the kind of guy they kind of profile anyway when they go into the draft. Is one of the that's one of the qualities. So I think it's going to add a lot to this team to be able to do that because you know I've been covering them a long time and it was a lot of like the Earl Weaver looking for the three run homer and just trying to mash teams to death. I mean they did that in '96 uh, under Davey Johnson when they made the playoffs as a wild card. I think they you know would led the league in home runs, but they were you know it was live or die on the long ball and they're just not going to do that now. They have power but they're also going to try and improve that on-base percentage in the past collectively has been low. Routinely, they were always fast in stolen bases. You had Mateo and Mullins 1-2 in the American League last year. Like you said, five steals yesterday, our uh, opening day. The Red Sox thought maybe they were also taking advantage of that pitch clock mm-hmm. and kind of time, timing when they could go, getting the bigger lead, and their pitchers weren't really paying attention enough. And so but they do also do have that speed. It might be one of the fastest teams that I've covered. So, you know, if they can find more ways to beat you than the three-run homer, they'll be in pretty good shape. Well, yeah, and you look at the team, and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that you used to be playing for the three-run homer. Rock, this is a team that's made up of a lot of athletes this time around, and a lot of guys that can get on base and steal a bag. And if nothing else, I think of what could be an, an X factor for the Orioles is their ability to steal a base. And we saw Adam Frazier, who's not exactly uh, you know fleet-footed here, but he knows how to run bases. He's a smart ball player. He stole that, that, that base on the pitcher because of the pitch clock the other day. How big of an advantage is it is the Orioles team's speed when you look at the other teams in the American League East? I think that could keep them in it for the long haul. I think it gives them an edge. And also, I don't know how much they were even contested on those steals. Like the Red Sox weren't even able to get off a throw. Right. McGuire talked about that as well. And again, how much of that was on the Red Sox allowing them to take the big lead? I don't think the bigger bases mattered at all because, again, they could have gone in standing and they could have had more steals. Mateo had a huge jump with Mullins at the plate in the eighth inning and would have gone in easily standing. He could have rounded the bag, but Mullins fouled it off. He got another huge jump on the next pitch and Mullins lined to second base and it was a double play. So Mateo could have had three steals quite easily. And I think you're going to see a lot of that. Now he's got to be able to get on base. You know, right. the, other than the 31-game stretch last year, he didn't really hit. Can't steal first base. But right. he is able to get on more consistently. I mean, it's easy to see him you know, leading the league, challenging for the majors and Mullins. And like you said, other guys, like a Gunnar Henderson, who are so athletic and able to run really well, it's definitely one of the tools. It absolutely is. I think, and, and when you look at the other side of things with Adley Rutschman behind the plate being that kind of a catcher, they can limit the base running of other teams. I think it's a big advantage for the Orioles moving forward here. Now, we know that their defense is going to be really good, that they, that they have a lot of great defenders behind their pitching staff. That wasn't the case on Thursday. The defense got charged with two errors, and there were a number of other balls, another, a number of other balls that could have been caught that weren't, that didn't go down as errors. 
was this more so the cold what the cold weather, the wind, and the bright sunshine that made things a little bit shaky? And how much of an impact does that have on the bullpen? That has been another point of consternation here because you're missing Tate and you're missing Michael Gibbons. Yeah, it's so hard to dissect, and I wrote this this morning: dissect stats with numb fingers because it was 38 degrees at first pitch. So I mean, right. you know, maybe that was a factor in the time of the game and things like that. But it was sloppy on both sides, and you're right, the errors were even deceiving. The Orioles were charged with two, but there were more misplays. All three outfielders had at least one ball that they could have caught and didn't. Santander in left field, there were actually two misplays, but also he's normally a right fielder. You know, Fenway right. Park, there's no easy spot to play. You want the guy who's more athletic and faster to cover all the ground in right field, so that's why Hayes went over there. He's normally the left fielder. He switched up with Santander, and past year's Trey Mancini would play left, even though it was mainly a right fielder. So, you know, there, there are certain, obviously, center field's a challenge, but they have plus defenders all over the field. That's one of the things Kyle Gibson said he was excited to sign with the club without trashing his former team, the Phillies, too much. <laughs> he didn't get much defensive support. He expects to get it here. He's like, make them hit it on the ground, make them put it in play, and let them make their plays. But it was just very shaky yesterday. You know, Felix Bautista had to face the extra batter because it looked like, you know, he was going to get a 6-3 double play to end it. Mateo bounced the throw after stepping on the bag, and he had to face another batter. It was a run, one-run game. Mateo normally makes that play. But right. At that point, you do start questioning the conditions. So I wouldn't – I guess you can't read too much into it. And the conditions aren't favorable right now in Boston. It's supposed to be in the 60s, but I did see that the rain's supposed to stop uh, by the time the game's supposed to be played. So it looks like they're going to get that game in, right? Yeah, we have a window, as they say. Now, the initial forecast looked terrible. Mm-hmm. Now, after 2 o'clock, it looks like it clears up. I just checked. There's like 30% chance right at first pitch at 4, but then that's it. And I don't think it's supposed to rain again until 11. But you know how it is with the, the weather app. I mean, it changes every five minutes. Right. But I think it's much more encouraging than it was, and it is going to be considerably warmer. Yeah, hopefully better conditions for them to get a ball game in tonight. Uh, you mentioned Kyle Gibson and his signing with the team and why he signed with the team. Look, he wasn't spectacular on opening day, but he did his job. And I feel like for Kyle Gibson, that's going to be kind of his M.O. He, had, he gets number one spot in the rotation because he has the most experience, and so he's earned that. But he's not that ace type of pitcher. He's just that guy who's going to pitch the contact and, and get outs. What does he add to this ball club, and what did you see from him on Thursday? Yeah, I mean, it's five-plus innings on opening day in those conditions. I think right. they would take that with better defensive support. He probably could have gone further. His pitch count started to go up because he gave up six hits and threw on those balls hit to each outfielder that could have been caught and weren't. So that could change his whole outing. But I think, yeah, I think he's going to be a guy – it's going to pound the strike zone. He walked one batter all of spring training. That was in his final outing. And he's going to keep them in games. I mean, he's not going to have a two ERA, but he's going to keep them in games. And he's that veteran leader they're looking for and the innings guy to replace Jordan Lyles. And they think they can actually get more out of him than he's gotten in the past with, again, with the, their pitching program, the data that they have available that they make available to these guys. And, you know, anybody who pounds the strike zone, Brandon Hyde's going to be a big fan of. So, I, you know, he, he, is he a true number one? No, and he'll tell you that. There aren't many aces. He goes, you know, what, well, 15 maybe, probably not even that. Right. But, you know, he was the obvious guy to get the assignment. When he first signed, we weren't sure because we thought they may go ahead and actually go out and spend on a big number one, the whole liftoff thing. And then we found out fairly early that wasn't going to be the case. But he made the most sense. Now, in a perfect world, eventually Grayson Rodriguez comes up who didn't have a good spring and was optioned and struggled last night in Norfolk. But he comes up and eventually is that true number one. He's got the stuff to do it. Maybe it's D.L. Hall. 
you know, Dean Kramer's starting today. He's the number two now, and maybe he ends up being him down the road or Bradish or one of these other guys. But for now, they'll gladly take Gibbs to the top of that, that rotation. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Grayson since you brought him up. Um, struggled his last three or four outings in spring training where he'd get to the third or fourth inning and then give up a big crooked number there. And we were all expecting him to be in the rotation and eventually evolve into it, one of those fifteen, uh, 10 to 15 aces that are in the game. But those struggles had him sent back down to AAA, and they continued last night. Four walks to just two strikeouts. Uh, gave up two runs in the first inning. It, it, we know the talent's there. We know the makeup is there. Is this more of a confidence thing than anything else? I don't think that we can cry service time manipulation based on how he pitched in spring and how he pitched last night. Do you think his confidence is just a little bit shaken at this point? It could be that or it could just be, again, this, you know, he missed three full months, exactly three months with that latch strain. He would have been called up in June if it had happened. And, they, and when he was ready to pitch again in September, they just kept him down. So that, that could be an effect, too, as well. And it could just be, again, a younger guy who's still kind of learning his way, definitely slumping. You're right about the whole service time thing. Mike Elias wouldn't have spent the whole offseason talking about how this is Rodriguez's time. They're expecting him to be in the rotation. They're hoping for it. If the plan all along was to not do it, why, why wouldn't you downplay it instead, instead of raising expectations and pulling the rug out from under everybody? I don't think right. that's the issue. If he had really dominated in spring training, he would have been in this rotation. If they didn't have any other options but then Tyler Wells and Kyle Bradish outpitched them and earned their spot so they had five guys and if and if this was a still the complete tear down rebuild stage maybe you consider but they they want to win these early games they went with the five guys to give them a better chance and they don't think Rodriguez is going to be down that long but certainly he's got to produce the results and he he led the staff in strikeouts in spring training with 19 but as you said there was always that one inning it was last three starts. It was the fourth inning twice, and then the third inning is next time. And it would, you know, ruin the line. It would raise his pitch count. And he never got past four innings. Right. So they just didn't think he was ready to break camp when he was still kind of building up and having these issues. The slider wasn't as sharp as it normally is. They were seeing that. This gives him a chance to work on it down below with a lot less pressure. They could control the environment more for him. And they're hoping that he's up sooner rather than later. Well, and the thing about him being up sooner rather than later, Rock, is that for him to come up, you'd have to assume that either somebody's injured or not pitching well. And if all these guys that are in the rotation are pitching well, who's he going to come up and replace in the rotation? Are you going to do piggybacking? You're going to have go to a six-man rotation? How do you make room for him if he starts dominating in the next couple of weeks and you have no choice but to call him up? Yeah, we wondered that even when spring training began because really – I mean, Elias said they had 12 guys on the 40-man competing for those five spots. But realistically, I thought Austin Voth was always going to be more of the long reliever. Yeah. But if even if you remove him, they had six for five spots. And they said repeatedly, we're not going to six-man rotation. And they didn't want to piggyback. Their concern being that even with an eight-man bullpen, if you have to have one guy that you hold back for bulk relief and piggyback, you're down to a seven-man bullpen, which in the past a lot of teams have done that. But they feel like, especially early in the season, that would handicap them, so they didn't want to have to pull a, a one reliever out from being able, available another night. I thought they may end up having to do it. I thought maybe Tyler Wells, if he was the odd man out, would be the guy that would follow Rodriguez and come in maybe in the fifth or sixth or whatever, or sooner if he had to. But again, this is a guy that was a Rule 5 late-inning high-leverage reliever, was very good at it and was their best starter in the first half last year before he was injured. And they went to all this trouble to stretch him back out as a starter. Would have seemed a little weird to put him back in the bullpen. Right. But I thought they might be forced to do that. 
And then it worked out where Rodriguez basically pitched his way off the club and Wells was really good his last two outings. But you're right. It's a pleasant problem to have, but they're going to have to figure out who goes down or who goes to the bullpen or somebody moved or however they're going to do it because and DL Hall is being stretched out mm-hmm. as a starter. He starts Tuesday for Norfolk. What do you do when he's ready? Cause they thought right. they don't want him in the bullpen. So that now you've got seven, so they'll figure it out, but it's going to be interesting to see how they do it. Oh, and by the way, rock, uh, John means will probably be back in late July or August. So then you're going to have eight guys for your rotation. These problems seem to fight, seem to work themselves out. But And it is 100%, you hear it all the time, it's a good problem to have, but it's definitely a head-scratcher to this point how they're going to make it all work. Uh, a few more minutes left here with Rock Abaka from MassInSports.com here on the Battle Round. Rock, we saw the opening day lineup come out on Thursday, and it was noticeable that Gunnar Henderson was the designated hitter and the reigning third-base Gold Glove Award winner, uh, Ramona Rios, was playing third base. Um, I think that, uh, to me, that wasn't too much to do about anything because of the fact that I thought it was more out of respect for Ramona Rios that, hey, you won the gold glove at third base last year. We're going to start you there on opening day. Plus, Rock, I think that they have just so much versatility with their infielders. They can afford to not wear these guys out and play them, let them DH, let them play second, let them play third, so that everybody gets their time and you're still fresh deep into the season. Is that What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, there's so much flexibility on this club you're going to see guys rotating in the infield the outfield the d8 spot and as much as trey mancini was very popular on this club and fans hated to see him go if he had come back he would have been the primary d8 and i want to say clog that spot but you wouldn't be able to rotate guys as, as freely right uh, i figured urias would be in the lineup but for no other reason he was six for 13 lifetime against kluber not a huge sample size but not a tiny one either i thought it might come down to him or adam frazier at second base but you know Frazier left-handed bat and he had doubled twice and walked out of stolen base and started two double plays. So it worked out well. So I just kind of think that Henderson was kind of the odd man out as far as having the DH Kyle Stowers really was because he was on the bench. Mm-hmm. Now the Sox are starting a lefty today, Chris right. Sale. So does that mean that maybe Ryan McKenna goes to left field, the plus defender Santander's the DH Stowers on the bench again. And then, uh, you know, Frazier's probably on the bench. Urias could be at second. Hendricks could be at third. They're, your guys are going to be moving around all year, as Hyde reminded us Thursday when we asked him about the lineup. And he also said, look, Gibson's on the mound. You have a gold glove winner at third base. That was the lineman he wanted, plus Mateo, obviously, uh, fielding Bible award winner and probably should have won a gold glove. Absolutely. So he went with that alignment, but it's going to change a lot over the course of the year. Certainly going to look different today. Yeah, the, the team is maybe the deepest I've seen for as long as I can remember with all the flexibility, all the versatility, and again, all the athletes that they have on the roster. Um, Now, Rock, as we kind of wind things down here today, you were in the broadcast booth on Monday for the Orioles' final spring training broadcast. Um, Are you going to get a crack at that in the regular season at all? (laughs) I think I'm kind of like the super utility guy that if they (laughs) need somebody to fill in, because honestly – it was more of a case that, hey, you know, the couple people that would have done it weren't able to schedule in conflict. Are you available? So it's, I think it's going to be, and that happened when I did uh, four games in Toronto and I did one at home. It came down to the scheduling. I don't think that's necessarily the plan and we must work rock into this rotation and revolve it around just like the DH spot. But I, but I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm available if they need me. And it's definitely outside my comfort zone. I respect anybody that can easily do that and it's natural to them. But I'll tell you, man, having to focus on every single pitch in the press mm-hmm. box, we don't do that. 
when you're doing a game in the booth, you have to watch every single one be prepared to say something. It is mentally exhausting, and it's not natural for me, but I'll do what they ask. I can imagine it's got to be difficult writing your game story, too, if you spent the entire game in the broadcast booth. That's That's got to be a little bit more difficult for you than it otherwise would be, right? Oh, totally. That's why I usually try not to worry too much about that. Just let's just focus on the broadcast, and and the the website will have to just do without me. Sure. So now now the website uh, hasn't had to do without you for quite some time, Rock. You have what, what is your streak up to now for blog posts? Yeah, I wish I. It's August first, two thousand eight. It's well over five thousand days in a row. And and Rusty, one of our uh, commenters, is a guy who every day he tallied. You know, it's not always the same amount of uh, days in February and everything else. So he's tallied it. Wow. And he runs it every day. But uh, it's honestly, it, it's not something that I'd like wake up thinking, I got to keep the streak going. And I've told people, I'll be ending it this year. Like my laptop died in spring training at the Trop, and I thought that was it. And they got me another one the next day. And I was like, well, now you're not letting me end the streak. Wow. <laughs> you're forcing me to work when you give me a laptop. So I think there's going to be, organically, it will happen. Something will come up, family plans, whatever. And I'll finally say, look, this is the year to, to take a day off. Well, Rock, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, that, that's, <laughs> that's, that's what my friends keep telling me too. Yeah. That's, that's for sure. And then finally, every single day, your first blog post is at 4 a.m. I have noticed this for years now. It's at 4 a.m. Are you getting up and posting at 4 a.m. every day, or do you have the site um, set almost like to an alarm where you write something the night before and it gets posted every day at 4 o'clock? You're trying to peek behind the curtain at Oz, aren't you? <laughs> I, I've wondered this for so long. I, I'm like, I'm asking him on the show today. Yeah. I mean, it used to be that I would have to get up and, and manually post it. And then uh, not too long ago, somebody at the site finally admitted, yes, the timer does work. I'm like, okay. So I will set it, but then sometimes it doesn't work. So I still wake up because I wake up frequently during the night. Mm-hmm. And I will check the site. And if it's not up at that point, I will rush to my laptop and, and do it. But I, I do now have the timer, so I can, when it works, I can go ahead and post it at whatever time I want. Yeah, I saw 4.01 a.m. the other day, and I was like, wait a second. <laughs> I like to mix it up a little. Yeah, right, a, a, a little bit of a back and forth there. Rock, always great when we get to talk to you. Thanks so much for taking some time for us here on a Saturday morning. We certainly appreciate it. Hey, my pleasure, anytime. All right, we will talk to you down the line. Have a great series in uh, in Boston and in Texas. We'll see you back in Baltimore on Thursday. Sounds good. See you. That was Rock Kabako joining us today. Love talking to Rock. I'm glad that he's able to, to come on with us again because just yeah, a- Rock, Rock did a very rare thing uh, when I answered the phone. He asked me how I was. That never happens. Yeah, Rock's a, Rock's a pretty genuine good dude. Good guy. He, he was good he guy. was he was happy to he, he said he was happy to do the show and help us out. So that was uh, that was pretty awesome. And Rock's segment today is brought to you by the Toyota Tacoma, which comes in a range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. When we come back in. We're going to hit the payoff pitch around the league. It is back, and we'll follow that up with Orioles banter. That's next on the Bataround. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point Boulevard. 
Are you a diehard O's fan looking for the perfect way to show your team spirit? Look no further than Birdland Sports. Birdland Sports is a small business run by fans for fans. They offer a wide variety of unofficial O's merchandise from the Birds Are Coming tees to player cartoon shirts and more. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. So head to birdlandsports.com and grab your gear today. Show your support for the Birds with Birdland Sports. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. I'm Griffin Bass, and I have the extraordinary, mind-blowing, and life-affirming pleasure of being the new producer for the absolute funniest, smartest, and most handsome sports host in all of Baltimore. Wait a second. Glenn, I'm working for you, not Jeremy Kahn. If you're not listening to Glenn Clark Radio, here's what you're missing. He's Coach Kevin Willard. Glenn, thanks for having me. Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Rashad Bateman. Thank you, I appreciate it. He is outfielder Cedric Mullins. Thank you guys for having me. Mr. Marcus Williams, who's now with us. Man, I appreciate it. Happy to be on. Ravens kicker, Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely, thanks for having me on. John Angelos. Thanks a lot, good to be with you. Ryan Mountcastle. Thanks for having me on, guys. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Talia Tungavailoa. Thank you guys for having me. He is J.K. Dobbins. Thank you for having me, I had a great time. The great Ray Lewis. Always good to be home. He is Mr. Cal Ripken Jr. Good chatting with you. Watch Glenn Clark Radio at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and listen live at pressboxonline.com slash radio or anytime on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Have you experienced hardship due to COVID-19? CCBC has great news for you. We have funding available for short-term career programs like project management starting this March. Gain valuable skills to advance your career and get back on track. With CCBC's project management program, you'll learn how to effectively plan, organize, and execute projects. This is your chance to make a positive change in life. Contact us at 443-840-2222 or online CCBCM md.edu for more information ccbc project management your new career starts now with funding available 443-840-2222 or ccbcmd.edu All right, welcome back to the Bat Around. The Bat Around is brought to you today by Pressbox Online Offers. Baseball season is here, and for the first time in history, you can bet from your phone in Maryland. Go to pressboxonline.com slash offers for the best sportsbook offers and incentives so you can start winning today. Get five second chance bets at points bets when you deposit your first bet of $50. Just go to pressboxonline.com slash offers to claim your incentive. And now, back for the first time in 2023, it is the payoff pitch around the league. Paul, you didn't say it right. It's around the league. The payoff pitch <laughs> around the league. There it is. Jazz Chisholm and Jorge, Jazz Chisholm and Jorge Soler hit solo home runs to back five and two-thirds shutout innings from Jesus Lazardo as the Marlins took down the Mets two to one in two hours and nine minutes. Wow. Kyle Tucker ended Lance Lynn's shutout bid with a two-run shot in, on, in the sixth, and Jordan Alvarez put the Astros on top for good with a three-run double in the seventh as Houston evened things up with the White Sox six to three. 
Reigning Rookie of the Year, Julio Rodriguez, who had two doubles, but was third-place finisher Stephen Kwan, who stole the show with two hits and five ribeye stakes to lead the, gun, the, the Gunners. The Guardians passed the Mariners 9-4. to Charlie Blackman followed his opening day three-hit performance with a two-hit performance, including his first home run, a two-run shot, and Kyle Freeland tossed six shutout innings as the Rockies sent the Padres to 0-2 with a 4-1 victory. Kyle Lewis pinch hit in the eighth inning with his team down one nothing and promptly flipped the script, swatting a two-run homer to lead the Diamondbacks over the Dodgers 2-1. Dustin May spun seven brilliant innings of shutout ball on just 84 pitches for L.A. Every game except for that Guardians-Mariners uh, game was two hours and 41 minutes or less. That's unreal. I, I love it. I don't. I really do. I, I don't, man, because I, I and I was. Do you really of, want more time in between pitches, though? I think this I, is great. I want more more time to watch baseball. So, like, but it's downtime I, I, on on opening day. I looked up at the TV and it was the fourth inning, and I was like, "Oh my god, it's already the fourth inning!" Now th- that game lasted a long time because a lot of runs got scored late in that ball game for the uh, between the Orioles and Red Sox, but. I'm okay with a three-hour game. I mean, it, it, I, I don't want a four-hour game, but I'm I'm okay with a three-hour game. Two hours and nine minutes. If let's say I've had a long day at the office and I come home and I want to spend three hours watching Orioles baseball and they win a game three to one that lasts two hours and five minutes, I feel like I was sold a little short. I mean, they're not removing an inning. All they're doing is removing time in between pitches that would have just been, you know, the the pitcher rubbing his hand on his pants or something. I mean, I, yeah, you know, and and a batter kicking his bat on his shoes, like. I, I, I don't really have a problem with it. I yeah, actually no, really like it. I I, th- I think I mean it's still baseball. Like mo- for the, because I guess it was opening day and things were moving fast. I was like, I want to savor this. Like opening so I, day, I I get it. I get you it. know, and, and I'm sure that I won't even notice it um, as the season goes on. Like mm-hmm. like I like I, today I'm gonna, I have to work. I'll be at, be at work at four thirty. Um, but like tomorrow, I'll sit down and watch the game. If that game's over at three forty five, I probably won't even notice it just because I'll be so in tune with watching the game itself. But it's not that I want to see more time in between pitches and all that. I just like baseball. So if I can, I I want to be able to sit down for three hours and watch baseball. Well, you can always watch another team too. I mean, there's, there's 28 of them out there that will be playing games. Yeah. I, I, I don't get as much out of that as I do watching the Orioles. Okay. Fair enough. You know, like I like watching baseball, but I, I will, um, like if I'm watching them, no, no, I was pretty, pretty in tune to the game last night before I went to bed. Yeah, between, I, 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 between the White Sox and Astros. I routinely watch the Mets because I have a lot of good friends that are Mets fans. So I routinely watch them, and uh, I, I always see the Yankees a little bit too, and some of the other divisional teams are, are always fun to watch. So yeah, you know, you can entertain yourself that way. But. I, I, I like baseball. And there's a reason that I have the MLB TV app every every year. I like I like watching baseball, I like watching other games, and I especially like it when I'll like if I'm not watching a game and I see something pop up that set like on MLB network or on ESPN on the bottom line or something like that and it says that there's a big thing going on in a game like this guy has a no hip in into yeah, the eighth sure. inning yeah, yeah. or Mike Trout's up with the bases loaded in a two-run ball game in the bottom of the ninth tune in on MLB network like or tune in here or whatever yeah. I like that I can go do that I like having that that option so I do like watching other baseball I'm just not as invested in other games as I am the Orioles these 10 o'clock Guardians games are killing me yeah <laughs> man and, I got uh, through about an hour of it last night I'm with with I have to get up at basically five five thirty mm-hmm. every morning if I because I'm not going to the gym after work. It's just not going to happen. No. So if I want to get to the gym and get a workout in, I got to get up early, and which means I got to be in bed by ten ten thirty eleven. When the Orioles play on the West Coast, I'm not going to be able to watch those games right. tonight. I'm going to have to find a way to watch them in the morning while I'm at the gym while I'm getting ready for work, yeah. uh, and not see the score in the meantime. So 
Uh, I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. What's on tap for the Orioles? Uh, not for, not just for the Orioles, but for everybody in baseball yeah. today. All right, so all the twos are going today. Uh, White Sox and Astros first game of the day, two ten. Lucas Giolito, Jose Urquidy at Minute Maid Park. Blue Jays and Cardinals. Kevin Gosman, the former. Oh, he, he'll take on Jack Flaherty, two fifteen at Bush Stadium. Brewers and Cubs. Brandon Woodruff against Justin Steele, the lefty, two twenty at Wrigley Field. Zach Wheeler. He'll take on Nathan Avaldi as the. Phillies take on the Rangers 405 in Texas Globe Life Field. Braves at National Spencer Strider, the excellent second-year guy against Josiah Gray, the, another excellent second-year guy, 405 at Nats Park. Giants, they'll take on the Yankees. Former Oriole Alex Cobb takes on Clark Schmidt, 405 in the Bronx. Patrick Sandoval, the lefty, versus Shintaro Fujinami for the Athletics and the Angels, 407 at the O.co. Orioles and Red Sox, Dean Kramer takes on lefty vet Chris Sale, 410 at Fenway Park as the Orioles uh, look to make it two in a row. Pirates at Reds in in-division game here. Rich Hill, the lefty against Nick Lodolo, another young lefty, 410, Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati. Spencer Turnbull goes for the Tigers. Zach Eflin goes for the Rays, 410 at Tropicana Field. Sonny Gray for the Twins and Jordan Lyles, another former Oriole, goes for the Royals. I guess he's their number two this year, Jordan Lyles. Yeah. Uh, 410 at Kauffman Stadium, a lot of 4 o'clock games today. Another one is the Mets take on the Marlins. Tyler McGill against Edward Cabrera. Really good pitching Any relation there. Any relation to Jimmy and Chuck McGill? Yeah, big, big better call Saul fan. Yeah. Big better, yeah. We live with Tyler McGill, loves it. 840, Jose Arana against Michael Waka. Rockies and Padres at Petco Park in San Diego. D-backs will start Madison Bumgarner against another vet lefty in Clayton Kershaw as the, they take on the Dodgers 9-10 at Dodger Stadium. And then finally, the Guardians at 940 against the Mariners. Aaron Savale takes the hill against Logan Gilbert. A lot of good pitching matchups today because obviously everyone's twos are going today. Um, for the most part, except for the teams that played yesterday. Yeah, and you can make the argument that the Orioles and the Red Sox might have their ones going yeah, Honestly, today. Yeah, I, I kind of look at it like that. I, I was a little confused about why Kyle Gibson uh, and Corey Kluber were the, the, the guys thrown out there on opening day. But I, I understand long. with both of them, honestly. Uh, Kyle Gibson... The guys have been around for a while. He, he's been around for a while. He's a former All-Star. Yeah. He's an innings eater. Um, they want to set, set the tone uh, from the first game on. I, I get that. Even though he, yeah. he might be... The, the fourth best pitcher in the Orioles rotation, yeah. he has the most experience. So so I understand that. But with, with Corey Kluber, he made, what, 28 starts last year? Yeah. And he had I think he had the least amount of walks in baseball. But close to a five-year array, though. It, it was like 438 or something nah, like I thought that. It was like 470, I believe. Oh, somewhere well, there. well the, Chris Sale has made, what, 15 starts the last three years? Yeah. So um, I, I, I understand that. Chris Sale, he's nasty. The Orioles did touch him up for five runs in yeah. one of his last outings in spring training, so we will see how that goes for sure. Today's uh, payoff pitch around the league uh, is brought to you by Guilford Hall Brewer in Station North, which is the place to be for Monday's college basketball championship game. The game will air on Guilford Hall's 22-foot screen with food and drink specials during the game, including all-you-can-drink beer for just $25. If you haven't been to Guilford Hall Brewery yet, this is a great chance to check it out. See you at Guilford Hall Monday night for the college basketball title game. Uh, we're going to move on over here to Orioles banter. Uh, Orioles, <laughs> they um, big win on any win on opening day. On the road is a big win. Yep, that's a big win. They win ten to nine. They were up eight to two and ten to four. Offense was incredible. We did see 
a defensive highlight or two, namely like Adam Frazier, that double play that he helped yep. start, that was really good, and it just highlighted. It was, it was just a highlight of a big day for Adam Frazier in his debut with the Orioles. Um, bullpen defense left a lot to be desired, but we think, at least defensively, I'm, I'm pretty sure we know that they're going to be pretty sound I think defensively. So. I, I'm I think not too, so. and I don't anticipate, especially after that performance on. On Thursday, I don't anticipate seeing Anthony Santander get a lot of looks in the outfield. Um, no, no. Th- this year he'll play, but if he make, I'd be surprised if he made much more than 35, 40 starts in the outfield this year. I think he'll get more than that. You, I think you think so. I think he'll get about half. I, I think you know somewhere in eighty. I, I don't know with with the fact that he can play first base now, um, and the fact that that you, yeah. you don't have an everyday DH, and you can make the argument that Kyle Stowers is one hundred percent a better defender. Than Anthony Santander, I just want to see Kyle Stowers get into a game. You know, I was going to say it's going to depend on his bat. And, and you're you know that Stowers isn't playing today. No, it, the, against no way. against a lefty like Chris Sale, even though he had reverse splits and he was successful in the limited amount of the bats that he got um, in the big leagues last year against left-handed pitching, you know Hyde's not putting him in the lineup. So and the, if Ryan yeah. McKenna starts today. I'm going to throw up. <laughs> he probably will be. If we're being honest, he probably will be. I will say something about. Chris Sale, though, he is not like every other lefty because he has that lower arm slot and he mm-hmm. has that crossfire action where if you're a Cross lefty, his, his arm is almost disappearing behind you and you know then coming back across and can pepper really any part of the zone because of how good he is. Also throwing 97 when, you know, if, if that's still happening after all these injuries he's had. But look, Chris Sale is not your normal lefty. He's a little bit harder to face, especially as a left-handed hitter. So I will give Brandon Hyde a pass if Ryan McKenna is in the lineup today. But I don't want to see him much more. I don't want to see him do, much more. Do you need him in the lineup? Is is, I, is I'd rather question. stack it with righties. I really would. I mean, it, it's just tough. Uh, well, okay, so you can play... You know Mullins is going to play. Yeah. Mullins is going to be, M- Mullins is gonna be in center field. You know that Santander and Austin Hayes are going to be in the lineup. Yeah. Right? So... I don't know. I, I guess McKenna... Hey, hey, will, I, I would think they'll DH Santander or Hayes. Yeah. And the, then the, put McKenna in there. Uh, they'll probably yeah. DH Santander, and I guess McKenna will get the start then. You, you know, I thought Hayes looked really flat-footed. Yeah. Really flat-footed. Yeah. I, On opening day. Um, I don't know, man. That, that that dude has got a lot to prove. He's got a, he's got a lot to prove. This he, year. he does. He does. This year. And then to be the one guy in the lineup that goes 0 for 5... On opening day, when everybody else was finding their way on base and around the bases, um, he's 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 definitely got, in my opinion, got a lot to prove. Why can I not? There it is. Um, but so yeah. So how did you? I know we talked a little bit about it in the in the opening of the show. Mm-hmm. Are you concerned at all? Uh, not about the defense, but about this bullpen. I I, feel, I I'm not I'm not concerned to this point. I am concerned in the way that they were used. I feel like they were yeah. used in the roles that aren't kind, kind of the backwards. Best. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm going to be a lot less concerned again when Michael Givens is back and Dylan Tate's back. Those are two pieces that are key to this bullpen. Logan Glasby, I was a little surprised he made the team. I actually mm-hmm. might have rather Joey Crable because the experience he had, and he actually pitched pretty well at some points last year. I think they almost—I don't want to say the Orioles overreacted, but. They might have to a bad spring. I don't know. I I, I thought Crable deserved well, he, to be on this he team. He didn't give up a run his last seven appearances. Right, but he had a really bad start. But yeah, 
I don't know. I, I'm very curious as to why. And I think we'll see a lot of Joey Crable because things in the bullpen, someone will be optioned sooner rather than later. Yeah, uh, and, and that's why Politi's not here. Uh, Politi right. went, was sent back to, yeah. to the Red Sox because he doesn't offer them flexibility. They got, they got to hold on to him. You right. Know, that, that you got to hold on to that guy all year if he's going to be in your bullpen. You don't have the option of sending him down. You've got to have guys that you can put on the shuttle. Right. And exactly. So that's why, like, you got to have Nick Vespi and Joey Crable and. Bruce Zimmerman and Spencer Watkins, you got to have guys that have options that you can send down and bring up on, on a moment's notice. Right, and the good news is now they have uh, two lefties, or actually they have three lefties in the bullpen now. Um, you know, now that Danny Columbe, I believe is that, that how you say it? Danny um, Colum? It, it, it's Coulomb. <laughs> Coulomb, okay. Coulomb. So, yeah, Danny Coulomb's in the bullpen now. So you have, you know, obviously C.N.L. Perez there. You have uh, Keegan Aiken, and then you have... Um, and then you have Danny. So there's three guys now in the bullpen that are lefties. Uh, that's going to provide a little bit of a, a, a different look than last year. Uh, but I, I don't know how long Keegan Aiken's leash is. We've talked about that a little bit. But he hasn't really been good for a long time. And, and Danny's had a career uh, 350 ERA pitcher in the major leagues. You know what you're kind of getting out of, out of CNL Perez. Probably a really good setup guy if he's used in that role, uh, which we you know obviously hope he will be. I think there's a lot of pieces to like. But again, the stability is going to come from guys like Dylan Tate and Michael Givens. Those are two guys that need to be healthy. Um, and hopefully Givens will be sooner rather than later. Yeah, I, I, I think Givens you'll see in the middle of the month. Yeah. I, I think Tate is the one that's more worrisome because it's a more serious uh, thing going on with him. Yeah. And it was supposed to be end of April, beginning of May, and now it looks like the end of May. Yeah. Um, and maybe they want to slow play it just so when he comes back, they don't have to send, they don't have to re IL him. Yeah. But it's something to keep an eye on and certainly be nervous about. But I also think um, that you that if the Orioles, they know that they have an opportunity this year, and I think that if they realize the bullpen's not up to snuff, they'll make a move even before the deadline. Yeah. To to get that thing under control. Um, so I'm not I'm not too nervous about it now. Um, Arias over Gunner. I think Gunner's. I think you're going to see Arias at second base today, and Gunner at third base. I, I would agree with that. You know, um, Adam Frazier, do you really put him on the bench after going after having two doubles, a walk, and a stolen base, and that defensive gem against Chris Sale? Maybe. Yeah. Uh, well, let's let's take a look here. Actually, against Chris Sale, Adam Frazier is one for two in his career. Oh, he's batting 500. He's batting 500. <laughs> he, he's the so. highest batting average of any Orioles regular um, against well. Chris Sale. One for two. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know what you can really expect there. I do think we'll see. I do think we'll see Arias today at I think, second base. I think you're going to see Arias, especially because yeah. he had that big home run and, he, and he's a good defender. Arias at second base. Maybe maybe Frazier is on the bench. To so if, the game. if I had to predict this lineup here, I'm, I'm going to write down the lineup and I'm going to try to predict here. So you're going to have Mullins leading off in center field today. Mm-hmm. You're going to have probably Rutschman in the two hole. Uh, I, I would think. Are you or do you think? I could see Gunner leading off. And I can see um, that's possible. I can see Mullins batting like seventh or eighth. He could, but you could also see Ryan McKenna leading off because Brandon Hyde did that a few times you know, last year. Brandon Hyde's gonna bat him fifth. He might he, bat him he's, fifth. He's gonna he bat, might. He's gonna he absolutely might. Fifth. He's gonna he's gonna f and bat him fifth. Watch. Well, you'll have Malcastle in the four hole, Santander in the three hole. I think that's pretty pretty locked in, um, and that that's gonna be I, I think a lock all season. I, it was kind of interesting because we talked about the lineup a little bit preseason, how it might look. I think those two guys are Brandon Hyde's three and four. Mm-hmm. Until Gunnar Henderson proves that he is a three or four, because he's bat- batted fifth I, in his I first I gotta game. tell you, man, Santander came up with the bases loaded and struck out, mm-hmm. and we saw him do that a lot last year. And I like Anthony Santander; I think he's a great player. Yeah, he's not a three hitter. 
I agree. He's not a three hitter. That dude should be hitting fifth or sixth. I do not want to see him hitting third. I, I know you, you want you want your best contact hitter batting second. Mm-hmm. You want your best hitter, your your best overall hitter, in my opinion, batting third. How is that Anthony Santander? It's not. It's, it's not. It's not. I, I mean, know that he gives you the versatility and that he can bat left and right and hit for power for from both sides. But I would much rather see Rutschman hit third and. Yeah. You know, maybe Frazier hit second, or maybe maybe Gunnar Henderson. But anyway, continue your, your lineup. I'm sorry. Yeah. So uh, Santander or Mountcastle in the three and four hole. I think Henderson again probably goes in the five hole. Arias maybe six. Move mm-hmm. him up a little bit. Do you have him that he's facing a lefty? Well, he batted six the other day. Oh, he did. You're right. You're right. Correct. Um, and then McKenna in the seven, and then eight and nine. You're looking probably. I, I guess you're looking at Jorge Mateo in the nine again, if if that ends up happening, and then you know. Would you agree with that? Is that what we're looking at? Yeah, well, Jorge Mateo is going to bat ninth. Yeah, on, I mean, but on, I, I, on this team, Austin Hayes seventh is a little, a little well, low me, for him. I, I guess. I, I think the, the it may have actually been. Um, no, 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 yeah, Austin Hayes. He batted seventh on opening day. He did. So yeah. it's either really McKenna or Hayes, uh, seven or eight. So we'll see how that plays out. But it's good. Inter- it's an interesting exercise to try to predict the Orioles' left-handed lineup because they will probably stack it with righties. At, at, you know, without Henderson and Mullins, those are really going to be your two guys that are going to be your lefties. In your uh, you, I, I, I would think that if they want to stack it with the righties, McKenna's going to lead off. M- McKen- McKenna he easily could, or or Hayes. Oh God, don't do that. Hey, uh, you know what? <laughs> the, so. I'm going to look at this lineup, and here's what I think they're going to do. I think it's going to be Hayes leading off. I think you're going to have no. It's, going to, it's going to be I, McKenna. I, I hate going to say be, this. I'd rather have McKenna leading off than Hayes. I, I, it, if it's, I'd like to. I'd like it to just be Cedric Mullins. Mm-hmm. I'd like it to just be Cedric, but it could be. It's going to be. Here's the lineup. I think it should be, but it won't be this. Gunner leading off. Against the uh, left, a lefty? Yeah. Lefty, Gunner, lefty. Gunner, Interesting. Gunner okay. leading off because he gets on base and he's fast. He does. Yeah. Gunner leading off. Rutschman second. Um, nah, it, you know what? Screw it. it I, I, I have no idea. It, it's it's, it, it's it, going it, to be McKenna leading off. It, it, I, I, but, but, I put money on that. Uh, either. Maybe. Me, maybe. maybe. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> You're B- probably. Big Ryan McKenna fans. No, I, I, honestly, it's, it's going to be Seti, Rutschman, Santander, Mountcastle. Um, Henderson, Arias, Henderson, Hayes, McKenna, Arias, Mateo. Hayes, McKenna, Mateo. It's very that, possible. That's, that's, that's what I have written down. So I don't know. That's what it's going to be. Yeah. That, that's that's what it's going to be. But um, I don't know, man. I just I'm not a big I'm not a big McKenna guy. We all know that. And and, and again, I don't want it to be mistaken for I hate Ryan McKenna. Not personally. I, I, no. Yeah, I think Ryan McKenna serves a purpose on a on a baseball team. He's a fourth outfielder. I just think Brandon Hyde's in love with him. And, and I don't mean like actually literally in love with him i think he just loves him as a player and thinks he's better than he is don't make brandon Hyde's wife start asking yeah, questions I, I, I just think he thinks that mckenna has this untapped potential yeah and mckenna thinks that too he said you don't when you have a ferrari you don't leave it in the garage well then you got to hit over wait mckenna said that that's what he said about himself last year he said, oh boy. He said, don't you remember that we talked about it on the show but i thought he said uh, vaguely porsche. i i thought he said porsche wow he um he said when you have a ferrari you don't leave it in the garage that's way worse than i remember it being yeah wow. So that, that's like Hollywood saying uh, Hollywood Brown for the Ravens saying, "Why well, have soldiers if you don't use them?" <laughs> and then the, and then he dropped like three passes. <laughs> yeah, right, right, game, right, right, right. Yeah. Like three big passes. Um, it's crazy. It's crazy that Adam Frazier has two doubles and a walk, and he's not going to be in the lineup 
uh, on uh, on in the second game of the year after that. After well, that we'll, kind see. Of a we'll see. But we we will see for for sure. It's early on in the season. Maybe you go with the hot. I, look, I, I get excited for every lineup that comes out early mm-hmm. in the year because you're just looking at how are they going to stack up this team? How is it looking? Uh, you know, and especially against the lefty like Chris Sale, things are so different. So we'll, we'll see what ends up happening today. But uh, you know, it's it's smart to throw a guy like um, you know. I, it's it's smart to, to rearrange a little bit against the lefty. You don't want to go out there with Adam Frazier, probably. Not the best idea. But we'll see. So let's, um, something, somebody that we're not even talking about. We've talked about everybody, but we haven't talked about Taron Vavra. I want to see what his splits were um, last year against I would think he'd be pitching. a pretty even split guy. I would think so, too. Versus left handed pitching, 222, 364, mm, well, 222. 364 is pretty good. Yeah, the, yeah, the on base. He, that's, he gets on base. All the time. Yeah. He, he's, he's an on-base guy. I would love to see him get an opportunity. He's not going to. Is that major league splits or minors? Th- that was the major league okay. splits. I, I can't find... I can I can always find minor league splits on my phone, but I can't But I can't as... Um, hang on. Let me uh, let me mute this. I can always find my minor league splits on my phone. Can't find them on the app. Yeah. I mean, I mean on my uh, actual computer. Now, I want to look at Ryan McKenna because everybody talks about how Ryan McKenna was so great against... Um, how he was so great against... Left-handed pitching last year, he had a nice stretch. I thought he hit near 300, didn't he? No, um, I, we did this on the show, um, not that long. Maybe ago. we did. Yeah, we did this on the show not that long ago. But against left-handed pitching um, last year, he hit 270 with a 333 on base percentage. Still pretty good. Yeah, it's it's good. It's it's definitely good. Um, against left-handed starters, though, he hit 200. Yeah. With a 243 on base percentage. But That's not a leadoff guy. No, but he, he's going to get a start, and he's going to bat eighth today for the Orioles. It's it's almost guaranteed to happen. I would love to see Taron Vavra get an opportunity. Um, we'll see, but it, it, who's he going to play over? If Frazier's not going to play, Vavra's not going to play. You know, the good news, though, about getting a Ryan McKenna start out of the way against a lefty is that you don't have to see Ryan McKenna in one of those awful punt lineups that they'll put out eventually. But that's the thing. That I don't think that they have an awful punt lineup. They, they don't, but Anthony Benboom is on this roster. Yeah, well, <laughs> so they, we will their, get... their, their awful punt lineup could be on uh, ne- could be next... Well, not next Sunday, because they, they have Friday off next week, but it could be yeah. the following Sunday where it's Anthony Benboom and Taron Bavra yeah. and Ryan McKenna right. and Kyle Stowers. And I like Vavra and I like Stowers. Yeah. Um, Ben Boom has had a little bit of pop this spring. He wasn't awful this spring. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think you, with Anthony Ben Boom, you kind of know what you're getting. I, I will say, I mean, James McCann is probably an underrated uh, guy that's missing right now for the Orioles because that is a a whole level of uh, better catcher that you're going to be getting. Uh, at least we hope. Yeah. At least we hope. Yeah. All right, we got to catch our final break when we come back in. The better round returns and take to rake. Um, it was a runaway. Takes Drake was a runaway. Wow, I wonder why. Yeah, I wonder why. Somebody went five for five. Somebody got to pick first. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's because <laughs> somebody has, is a three-time reigning. Oh, de- okay. Reigning defending. Oh, isn't it two-time? No, I've won 20. L- look at the trophy. 2020, 2021, 2022. The reigning mm. defending Take Drake champion of the world, Paul Valley. That next on the battle round. 
Baseball season is finally here, and what better way to celebrate than with some fresh gear from Birdland Sports. As a small business run by O's fans, Birdland Sports offers a great selection of unofficial merchandise, including unique designs like Birds Are Coming tees, player cartoon shirts, and championship prediction designs. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. Get high-quality gear without breaking the bank. So whether you're heading to the ballpark or watching from home, show your love for the birds with Birdland Sports. Visit Birdland Sports. Sports.com today to browse their collection and gear up for the season. Let's go O's! Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Have you experienced hardship due to COVID-19? CCBC is here to help. With funding available for short-term career programs, you can get back on your feet in no time. Starting this March, become a certified apartment maintenance technician to secure your future. CCBC's program offers hands-on training and prepares you for a rewarding career in the growing field of property management. Don't wait any longer. Call 443-840-2222 or online at ccbcm.com. Edu for more details. CCBC Apartment Maintenance Technician. Your new career starts now with funding available. 443-840-2222 or ccbcmd.edu. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles phenom Gunnar Henderson, breaking down how he was able to become the top prospect in baseball at such a young age and what could be next in his first full MLB season. Also inside, we meet lacrosse players from the men's and women's college programs across the state, and Bo Smoka breaks down another year wide receiver issues for the Ravens. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Back in here on the bat around. The best music ever. The best music ever. Besides Bruce Springsteen. It is the... <laughs> including Bruce Springsteen, the best music ever. It is the Bat Around Break 3 music. It is no longer Glenn Clark Radio music. It's been our Break 3 music for two years now. Break Something three. like that. The Bat Around Break 3 music. What a beat. What it a beat. is. It is. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles phenom Gunnar Henderson, breaking down how he was able to become the top prospect in baseball at such a young age and what could be next in his first full MLB season, hopefully his first hit. Also inside, we meet lacrosse players from the men's and women's college programs across the state, and Bo Smolka breaks down another year of wide receiver issues for the Ravens. Nelson Aguilar, press, press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 rural farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. With the exceptions of Derek Mason, Steve Smith, and Anquan Bolden, 
Like Baltimore is like the place that veteran receivers go to die. You know what? I, Nelson Aguilar, I tweeted it. Same player, different year. That's all this is. Yeah. Same player. It's, I mean, it, it's, it's Michael Crabtree. It's it's Jeremy Mack. Hopefully, Jer- Jeremy, Jeremy, Jeremy Macklin. Seth, Seth Roberts. It's it's all the same player. Uh, Josh Brown. Yeah. Um, is it, no, I'm sorry. John Brown. Um, who else? Uh, Demarcus Robinson, Sammy Watkins. Yeah. That's who he is. It's, it's who he is. That's who he is. I'm not going to get excited about him. Aguilar has the drops. He always has. This and is a Ravens move if I've ever seen one. I'll, I'll tell you, I'm certainly not going to get excited about OBJ, even if he does sign here, because the, dude, no. the dude's knee is blown up twice. The he, same knee blew up twice in a year. Hasn't played in over a year. Come on. Yeah, yeah it, it's been... Come on. Since yeah, February. Yeah, since February of last, last year. year. By, by the time he plays, it'll he'll be... 18 months from 19 months removed. I'm telling you right now, I don't want to be I, I don't want to be negative here, but this is going to be a rough rough year for the Ravens coming up. They've got a lot of work to do, a lot of things to get a hold of. And uh, you know, the Lamar Jackson situation has gotten ugly, it's gotten messy. Hopefully that will be figured out in the near future here, but man, this has yeah. not been a fun few weeks for Ravens fans. They signed no one outside of the organization except Nelson Aguilar. Mm-hmm. They re-signed a few key guys. I did I really like bringing Geno Stone back because I'm a yeah. big Geno Stone fan. But man, it's ugly. Yeah. Ugly. Yeah. Almost as rough as me just trying to scratch my head. Yeah. That was that, w- that was weird. If that you saw weird. that on camera, that was my, a, that was my, my hat fell off, my headphones fell off, the mic fell off, the mic stand. I had to it mute was, you. It was a thing. It mm. was it was definitely a thing. Here's another thing that I don't understand. It says that Ryan McKenna had thirty six games against left handed pitching last year and that he was seventeen for sixty three slash two seventy three thirty three four sixty seven ninety four. But then it says versus left handed starters that he was fourteen for seventy. How did he have 63 at-bats wow. against left-handed pitching overall and 70 against left-handed starters? That is not a question I can answer. I, I don't do I know. don't I don't understand that unless that's I just I don't know I don't understand how that works. Do you want to hear the Red Sox lineup for today? I do. There let's, is, let's put that out there. There is one that's been out courtesy of show guest Rockabaco. Uh, Alex Verdugo leading off in right field. Rafael Devers batting second, playing third base. Justin Turner, he'll DH, batting third. Masataka Yoshida batting fourth, playing left field. Adam Duvall, he's in center, batting fifth. Tristan Casas at first base, batting sixth. Christian Arroyo at second base, batting seventh. Reese McGuire, the former Blue Jay, batting eighth and catching. And then Kike Hernandez in the nine hole, playing short. Kike Hernandez being their full-time shortstop is concerning but obviously Trevor Story's out and they're they're missing some key guys uh for their offense so it's yep. a bit, bit of a weak lineup I would say for the most part one of the weaker ones we've seen from the Red Sox in a few years but that's how it is well that leads me to the better round um because you're their leadoff hitter Alex Verdugo he is five for 14 lifetime against Dean Kramer okay. with a home run he is plus 1060 to hit a home run today. Dean Kramer, for as good as he's been, he does have the propensity to give up the long ball from time to time. I think it is a great play to take Alex Verdugo to go deep at plus 1060 off of Dean Kramer. On the other side of things, Austin Hayes, who we expect to be in the lineup today, is 3-for-11 lifetime against Chris Sale with two home runs. I think that playing him at playing Austin Hayes at plus 520 to go deep against Chris Sale, to go deep today, is another good play. So, again, if you're tuning in now for the better round here on the batter round, Austin Hayes plus 520 to homer today, and Alex Verdugo plus 1060 
to homer today. I think that those are those are pretty good odds um, that you could win some money on. Yeah, Verdugo, uh, you know, hasn't really. I, I would say he hasn't realized his his full potential. Dude, he's a good player. Uh, he's a good player. But when he came over from the Dodgers, he was one of the best minor leaguers in the game at the time. He was unreal. But there has been a thing, you know, that goes around baseball, and a lot of people talk about it. The, the Dodgers uh, make their prospects look a little better than they actually are. We saw that with Yusniel Diaz. Gavin Lux has been a part of that, and I think Alex Verdugo is another part of that. So who knows? I, he's a good player. I, you know, I, 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 I like that at plus ten sixty. It makes sense. You, you look at Verdugo um, for his career. He, his slash on is two eighty seven, three forty one, four thirty two. With a 773 OPS. He hits probably about a dozen home runs every year. I could see him getting one today. Uh, I think he's I think he's a good player. Now, is he a guy that's ever gonna hit 315 with 30 home runs? Probably not. No. But that's what we expected. At least I did. That, I mean, his, people expected that kind of power. His from minor him? league numbers were really good. And I can pull him up if you want. I, I I got him right literally right in front of me. He was never a big home a big home run hitter. In the minor leagues, his career high in the minor leagues was 13 in 2016. Okay, so, I thought. Yeah, which is also his career high in the major leagues, 13 in 2021. Good hitter, uh, gets on base, doesn't strike out a ton. Uh, he really doesn't strike out a lot. He's never struck out 100 times in the season. Yeah, he he he, he, get, he, yeah. he puts the bat on the ball. He might be their their best overall hitter, while Rafael Devers is... Uh, he might be their best contact hitter, while Rafael Devers is probably their best overall hitter. Right, um, but I, I like the odds on Verdugo to go deep. I think that the, that they would be better, uh, that they would be lower than plus ten sixty, if he had more power. Because I think that he's going to collect a couple of hits, and he tends to do that against the Orioles. I'd be willing to bet that Verdugo's numbers against the Orioles are better than um, they are against any other team. That's usually the way it goes, right? You ever, if you ever look at somebody that hits the Orioles well, you look at their st- their their career numbers. And against the Orioles, and they're usually pretty high. Yeah, you know, Verdugo could be that guy who was the Randy Rosarena or the Gleyber Torres or the Aaron Judge uh, of 2023. You know, you know what? He hits against the Braves 353 against the Rockies. Wow, 407 Um, against the Orioles just 283 with a 318 on base percentage and a 390 slugging percentage in 43 43 starts, 45 games against the Orioles. So. And 198 at bats. That's more than any other team that he's faced off against. And he has one of his lower batting averages um, against the Orioles. So I could be wrong, but he hits Dean Kramer well. So that's yep. what I'm taking. Fair enough. Now moving on to take to rake before we close things out here on the bat around on this April Fool's Day. Um, so last week I took Adley Rutschman. We let Luke Jackson as our guest pick second. He took Gunnar Henderson. We let Zach pick third because he, you know, by process of elimination he had to pick third mm. uh three of us he picked cedric mullins mullins had a base hit in an rbi and a walk and a couple of stolen bases um gunner henderson went 0 for three with two walks adley rutschman five for five home run walk four rbis thrown out on the base paths twice trying to take an extra base still the runaway winner adley rutschman that means i won and i pick first today um i am not allowed to take adley rutschman because of the fact that he went, um, that I picked him last week. So for and again, if you're new here or don't remember the rules, um, you can't pick the same player you picked the week before. The winner from the week before goes first, unless we have a guest that's never been on the show or never played the game with us. 
and it's for the entirety of the next week. So it's for the uh, today's game, tomorrow's game, all three games in Texas, and opening day in Baltimore on Thursday, which the weather's supposed to be lovely. It's supposed to be close to 70 degrees on, on a Thursday. I heard 80. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. So maybe the forecast is even better. It's going to be up there. I'm going to be wearing some shirts then. Some shirts. Some, some shirts? Some shirts. <laughs> wow. Some, some shirts. Some shirts and some shirts. Um, so let me see. Who am I going to take? I, I'm not going to take Gunner because I think Gunner's going to start a little bit slow. Mm-hmm. Um, who am I? Ryan Mountcastle. I have so much faith that Ryan Mountcastle is going to go bananas this year. I like the at-bats that he took the other day. Got a, He uh, hit a double. He walked twice. I'm taking Ryan Mountcastle. Take to break. Okay. I was hoping you'd make an April Fool's joke and, and take Ryan McKenna like AJ in the comments wanted you to, but you don't that's become, too bad. You, you, he, Zach told me this during the break, that AJ was like, if, if, Paul, if Paul's a real <laughs> champion, he'll take AJ McKenna. <laughs> uh, AJ McKenna, well, you, he'll take Ryan McKenna. You don't become three-time reigning, defending, take-to-rick champion of the world by taking champion Ryan McKenna. Champion of the world. By taking Ryan McKenna. You, you, you do, we, take, do we even have to let me say who I'm taking? It's it's pretty. It should be pretty blatantly obvious to to everyone. Adley, listening. Adley Rutschman. He's taking Adley Rutschman. Adley Rutschman. Who? There's no other choice. They, they, he has, he has <laughs> like none. He has more hits than like five different yeah, teams yeah. himself right now. So, Paul takes Mount Castle, and Zach takes obviously Adley Rutschman. There's no other choice. Adley. Cedric Mullins did not get it done for me. I'm disappointed. He's breaking up our streak because Cedric Mullins, for a while there, every time I picked him, would win me, would win me the round. He he broke that streak off like halfway through. He, he did halfway yeah. through the season last year. For a while there, he was uh, he was hot though. Um. So let's see standings. Paul, one and zero. Zach, zero oh and one. <laughs> oh and one. Uh, the trend continues. Um, oh boy. Final thoughts since I won. You know what? I got to pick first. You get to do your final thoughts first. Yeah, I, my final thought is uh, I'm excited to see what the Orioles do against a lefty today. Chris Sale's a tough lefty crossfire action. Uh, the lineup's going to look a little different. Ryan McKenna, if he can establish himself as a guy who can actually hit lefties, I'll be fine with that. I'll start to ease off him a little bit. He can be a solid piece off the bench if that's what he can do. So Ryan McKenna, if he's in the lineup today, I want to see something from him. For me, my final thought is seeing if the uh, similar. It's seeing if the Orioles' patience at the plate can continue. Mm-hmm. Because if the the Orioles can get, they will win ball games if they continue to show that kind of patience. They're going to win well more than they lose because they have so many guys in this lineup, especially with the new rules. If they get on first base, they're going to be on second base more often than not. And I, I look at that, and it makes me think, man, preach the patience, keep. Waiting for your pitch, like Rock said, the the two uh, hitting coaches, they they preach. Swing at the pitches you you know that you can handle. Yeah. Swing at the pitches you know that you can handle. If you can't handle it, lay off it. It might be a strike. That's fine. You get three of them. You know. So I want to see if the Orioles' patience continues. If they continue to get on base at a high rate like that, and then I also want to see the bullpen come out. And I think the defense is going to get better, right? Uh, but I, I want to see the bullpen come out and show that that was an aberration. Yeah. On on Thursday, and I think that that in, in, involves seeing Coulomb get into a game, Bauman get into a game, and maybe use CNL Perez in the eighth inning instead of the seventh yeah. inning, and, Brian, and and then Baker in the eighth. Because that's that's what I would much rather see. Yeah, I agree. I'm looking if we can get an O's lineup before we get out of here, but I don't think we're going to get that. But. Yeah, they, they 
Um, there was a little later than the other teams, but yeah, that's they, okay. They, they generally are. So, well, that's going to do it for us here on the Batter Round. Thanks to Stan the Fan Charles for his weekly segment. Thanks to Rock Abaco for another fantastic segment here on the Batter Round. Thanks to Zach for all the hard work that, that he does for this show. Thanks to all the fans and our sponsors. Without either of you, this show is not possible. Regular season underway. Orioles are in first place on Saturday, April 1st. Go O's. See ya.